The number you have dialed has been changed. The new number is. I'ma get so big, gotta change my number. I'ma get so big, gotta change my number. I'ma get so big, I'ma get so big, I'ma get so big, gotta change my number. The number you've dialed has been changed by your. That's not the right version. Where the intro? This is just the song. That's more like it. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Bad With Names. I'm your host, Don Will. And I think the show is back. Well, it's back for right now, anyway. If you haven't noticed by now, I got a turntable. Because I can do... I can... I can do that kind of shit. You know, I be DJing. So I bought a turntable, a really cheap one, uh, not really cheap, Audio Technica, a couple hundred bucks, low-key hates it, speaking of low-key, you'll hear a long conversation with that guy coming up soon, but let's just get into this shit, man, a uh, whole lot of news and updates and stuff, because I haven't talked to anybody in a long-ass time, it's been a minute, I'm trying out this new setup to see if I can record mixes, so I'm going through my turntable to this mixer using Serato with the handheld mic. I just like doing stuff, man. Like I like running audio experience. Uh, experience. Experiments. You got to excuse me. I'm um, a little loopy. I'm Benadryl. I'm sneezing all day. Allergy attacks. Normal Don Will shit. But, yeah, man. So, so bust it. First order of business. Um, Lessendary album. June 24th. Um, June 24th, Lessendary album. You can expect a mixtape ahead of that. You can expect videos and shit. We're getting together for a legendary retreat to go sh- to go shoot a bunch of videos and hang out with each other and do some stuff next weekend. That should be fun. Um, maybe I'll play us. I'll play the single. I'll play the single before Low Key's interview. That'll be the the segue. Let's get some mood music going though. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Actually, nah. I'll play some different beats. I'll play a different beat for some new, for the mood music. But yeah, man, Last Day album. It's been it's been years in the making. You know, let me cue up some shit. It's been years in the making, man. It's been years in the fucking making. We've been trying to get this. Hold up. There we go. That's a beat I made a while ago. Some, some soothing background music. You know what I'm saying? Get this shit cracking a little bit. A little cracking. Turn it. There we go. But yeah, so. Um, Lesson A album coming It was fun to make It took about a couple years And I can't believe we organized the squad And got them to get on one page And do the same thing It's fucking fantastic Everybody's featured on it It's topical It's not just like your average posse cut album Where everybody barring out and shit I mean the bars is there But topical subject matter is there too I'm featured on a couple songs I'm singing on a couple hooks Because why the fuck not? You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> Damn, I'm fucked up. Ugh. But yeah, so if you, this moving on, this beat that's playing in the background is one I did a while ago. I've been getting back into production. You know what I'm saying? I've been doing beats, submitting beats ever since the Donald Trump thing. Shout out to John Oliver. Uh, shout out to Another Round Podcast. 
some of them beats on there. You know, like, I'm like, fuck it. I'm going to just rap over my own beats. I'm going to make some beats, rap over them, submit them, see what happens. Legendary back and full force. Shea Grant got me on my ground, too, man. Seeing that brother. This shit's annoying. Seeing that brother uh, putting together his own beats and, and rapping over them and shit and making music on his own terms the way he wants to. It's inspiring, man. Him, seeing Lucina put out a project every month on her own terms is inspiring. It just got me back to making music. So I haven't really been podcasting yet, but you know that. But I've been busy. I've been working. I've been doing music, recording, DJing, producing. Uh, it just feels weird to cut on your setup and, and meticulously edit down a conversation when you are like not doing music so i don't know man i was just disenchanted unenchanted but i'm back i'm inspired and more than inspired i'm i'm just working man you know you gotta be inspired to work you just gotta work so i'm working uh game's been good to me right now what am i talking about this is why i don't podcast man what the fuck am i even talking about i got a, i got a whole itinerary i gotta I have a whole list of things topics to address so let me get to that uh, the Tanya Morgan LP. Uh, a lot of you ask about it every time you see me. It is in the final mix down stages. I'm supposed to meet with the engineer to get the files as soon as humanly possible. That is all I can say about it right now. Until I have the files, then I can give you guys a projected release date. But look, man, we erected the legendary pause. We got the legendary album ready to launch Tanya Morgan has to come it has to come next that, pause all that shit but Tanya Morgan's album has to come it has to be available before the year's out at least for me I mean I know there's no timeline but we've been waiting on this thing for so fucking long and I'm not saying we as in you I'm saying we as in me and Von P this album has been it's, it's kind of becoming like it's been overshadowed by several other projects you know what I'm saying and it's time. It's it's far beyond time. So, hoping you can let you guys hear some of that soon. Some shit. I could play a song because it's my fucking podcast. Maybe if you stick around to the end, I'll play a joint because I'm an asshole. <laughs> Vaughn is going to be pissed if I play a song. But you know what? It's mine. It's mine too. It ain't just his album. It's my album too. I'm allowed to. I'm allowed to play my music, ain't I? You know what I'm saying? I'm allowed to don't get this is like abstract radio where Q-Tip just be like abstract radio that was hella irritating but shout out to me that was a joint I did with Shea Grand Goddess on my SoundCloud you'll probably see it if you listen to my podcast on SoundCloud or whatever but yeah um with that said, I'm back to writing. Uh, I've been writing a few articles for Village Voice. They tapped me to do a piece on the passing of Prince, which was a very, um, it feels like a civil rights leader died to me, man. It feels like I would imagine how my mom must have felt when Malcolm X died or like how, I said Malcolm X, Martin Luther King died. Just Benadryl got me fucked up. Maybe Malcolm X too. I don't know her stance on Malcolm, but I know she loved Martin. Um, but you know what I'm saying? Like, it was, it's just tragic, man. It's, it's crazy that Prince, Prince is gone. 
I mean, I'm not going to take up too much time to talk about it, you know what I'm saying, but it's just crazy. I wrote a piece about it for the Village Voice. Um, fun story, me and one of the writers, contributors over there, friends on Twitter, we were riffing back and forth about Chuck E. Cheese, and they were like, hey, um, you mind writing this piece? I'm like, sure. So I did that. I did a Drake review, which I thought was kind of interesting. I like views. I love views, as you'll hear in this interview with Low Key. But, yes, I was doing writing for them. Um, so, you know, the pen is the pen is working. Rapping, writing, um, doodling, all types of shit. The pen is working, working overtime. Uh, you can, yeah, go to villagevoice.com and look me up. I'm over there writing stuff sometimes, occasionally. Who knows if I'll write more? I don't know. I just do shit as it appears. I do shit as it comes. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. And... The other big news is that Night Train is coming to CISO on June 30th. Uh, Night Train is the, the the monthly, monthly, damn, this penetrative, the weekly comedy show hosted by Wyatt Sinek that I DJ and provide house music for. We uh, did a six-episode run for CISO, and it features comedians like Harry Kondabogu, um, Joe Firestone, Phoebe Robinson, um, um, Kurt Brownoller, um, Damian Lemon. Um, it's a host of comedians. It's a slew of comedians. It's a great show. Some jeans on there, Jean Grey. Sashir, all my friends, all my friends. It's, it's fun. So you guys get to see me, how I, how I am in that world. You get, you get to see the show. You get to you get to watch me be comedic. And it's on CISO, uh, so you got to sign up for that. It's like five bucks a month, but you can just sign up. Watch them all and then unsubscribe or some shit if you really want to see it and you want to check your boy out on the wheels and hanging out and shit. And I've been uploading my mixes from the Night Train events to my Mixcloud page, mixcloud.com backslash forward slash Don Will. Um, yeah, I, I, maybe I'll put some links up. Maybe, oh, who gives a fuck? I'm not really good at doing things these days as evidenced by the gap in time between this podcast and the last one. But so what? So what? So what? Maybe I'll go back to podcasting without guests. I said that before. It's just, I don't want to get back. I don't want to talk about why I haven't been podcasting while I'm podcasting. Just just be grateful. Just be happy that I'm in the mood to do this right now. Um, so I've been, I've been yapping long enough for the intro maybe maybe not i don't have any advertisers any sponsors and i haven't been away for a while but this conversation is about a rough it's about an hour and a half hour 45 or something so it's a, it's a long one but it's good it's me and low key hanging out i was in denver uh to dj his party series the solution and i was supposed to dj the goodness but it snowed the entire weekend so the 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 Goodness is the outdoor party, so we weren't gonna start. He wasn't gonna start it then, so I didn't get the DJ. But I will be out there in June for a week. Me, Vaughn, Low Key, and an, an, a, a producer that that will remain unnamed are going to get together and do some music. And who knows? Maybe we'll put out another fucking album before we put out the Tanya Morgan record. Maybe we'll put out Rubber Souls, 12 Minutes at Kareem's, Sandwich Shop, fucking You and What Army before we put out the next Tanya Morgan album. Maybe we'll record five more albums before we put out the Tanya Morgan album. You get what you pay for has to come out. It has to happen. Ladies and gentlemen, 
I'm not fucking around with you. I want my music done. I want my album dropped. I'm not fucking around with you. That was a quote from Tiffany Pollard, um, a.k.a. New York. If you, It's a fun internet clip where she's talking to this dude on a first date about wanting to get pregnant and get married, and she's not fucking around with him. I'm telling y'all, though, for real, seriously, seriously, seriously. Tanya Morgan, you get what you pay for coming soon. Tanya Morgan, you get what you pay for coming soon. Fuck that. Listen to the end. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to play a song. There's nothing Vaughn can do about it. He'll just get mad at me. But so what? I want you guys to hear this fucking music. I'm not fucking around with you. I'm not fucking around with you. Do you hear me? Do you hear me? Where the fuck is the lesson? Oh, I'm not fucking around with you. Lessendary Ahead of schedule June 24th I hit the ring and I hit Satan with a body blow My pocket stinks and I was praying hard for God to yeah. show Now it's ringing, I've been waking, feeling super hate People screaming out and saying I love who I yeah. They want me missing cause my mission not to give a fuck Cause I'm different when I spit and you get lifted up Look for decision, it was written, I had risen up You've been given, you've been given, you can sick and stuck I put the canvas in the frame and I use my pain to paint it At first I was ashamed, but shame is the perfect language Gotta be off the chain with the chains of a slave's language They say like the bitch told that bitch make me a sandwich Damn my family, psychological damage Got stranded where I landed, I come from another planet I got my alien, the natives used to chant it Injecting me with melanin, they smoke I'm the bandit Onward, upwards, our word is outward, expansive Blocks worth of groundwork, massive, masterful magic in the catalog. Overly productive like the snare drum with Adderall. Guaranteed to bring about a fall if we battle brawl. Ride beats forward, saddle hogs be out gone. Been getting busy with the wiki wiki, that ain't all. Check one, two, get a check, thanks, now I'm Got gone. to open out the gate, smoke a joker like a vape. Less than every beat a big fist, dope without the bait. Drown the niggas out like a slave boat about to break. When they see the German terms, they throwing out the grave. The mouth of the South, eating okra out to plate. Plus the alpha make you fear this poking out to date. Never been in the fake, too broke to go to about the cake. We're blowing up, yo, I'll let you know when I'm the flake. Huh? wanna spa, nah, they all nervous and full of it. Ran full of bars like the best sell services. Right now I'm at the bar where your baby ma do it. She's working to Remy Marcus, see that I get a percentage. Get it, get it, get it, get it. No rollers on curl kit, hip shit. Still can't tell you where you went. I've been dealing with more important events, and I can offer that lit shit. Your energy efficient, career colon cancer, nobody checking that shit. Victim. Oh, so, but I mean, that's, yeah. 
joy of audio editing. I mean, I'm, I'm happy to be on your show. These are, these are outtakes. Welcome. Uh, <laughs> this is the uh, low-key outtake show. This is the low-key outtake show. Now, this is this is actually the 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 unannounced, unplanned grand finale of Bad With Names. You know what I'm saying? Drum roll, please. I don't, it's the grand finale. It's not a season finale. I guess it would be series finale. I, I'm not buying into it. I, I, I like the idea that this is like a re- rebirth. The rebirth. You think this, this is, is like a reset? This is the bad one name's erection. You you never know. Erection. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a bad word to combine. Bad one name's erection. <laughs> that's that's a bad word combination. <laughs> <laughs> that reminds me of making my vagina hard, which is something else. Yo, me and Lucky. So all right, me and Lucky have a million and one inside jokes, and we probably got about six more after this trip. That, that last <laughs> one, the last one is a reference to the Drake album. <laughs> the Drake album has definitely made my vagina hard all weekend. Uh, <laughs> I feel away. I don't even know if I'd give the whole album credit, but there's there's a couple songs that are, are so no to make them. Yeah. You, do you like the album though? Uh, it's like every Drake album, whatever that means. Yeah, it's 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 patented Drake. It's, it gives you all of the Drake feels that you need. It's, yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know. You know, every album you hear artists talk about, oh, we upped the bar and we spent so much time and did this and that, and you know, sometimes it's true and sometimes not, but. A Drake album is a Drake album. <laughs> yeah, like they, they did a bunch of hype before. Well, obviously they did, but like if you were following the storyline of when it, when his views coming, it was just like all this pretension about about being in the studio and and forty locking in and whatever, whatever. And it just sounds like a Drake album, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I Which mean, I'm, cool. I'm not mad at it. I had to write a review, and I kind of I hope my tone didn't sound like I was mad at the album. You know what I'm saying? No, I mean it's it's not a bad album, but you know. It's it's when you're that that kid who's the A student or whatever, and uh, you know it's obvious when you're not not killing it. But yeah, uh, yeah. yeah it's still really good. Uh, You've whittled it down to one song. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we turned it into efficiently uh, efficient listening process. We got the we got the the the, the, the thesis statement of the album was "Feel No Ways," yes. which is the greatest Majid Jordan song ever. Majid Majid, I don't know Majid, how to say the name. I like to think it's Majid Jordan. Majid Jordan, it's it's, the, it's their best song. Yeah, best one since uh, Hold On Please We're Going Home. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I like that one song, uh, Hold Tight. I mean, they got a bunch of jams, man. The album, like the album is good, man. Like, uh, Maji Jordan is dope. I'm gonna have to check it I out. I like the Maji Jordan. I, I already have listened to the Maji Jordan album more than I listen to the Drake album when everything's said and done. You've listened to it more than that one song. Yes, <laughs> if you if you total the, the the amount of times I've listened to the whole Maji Jordan song, yeah, we've had to more. play we had to play that song at least like fifty times. Gotta uh, go, we got fifty more to go. Before my I get my guess was thirty seven, like six listens ago. So I'm I'm at forty three. <laughs> That's my guess. <laughs> but so I'm out in Denver early, ahead of uh, the 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 tradition, our annual birthday bash. Oh yeah, legendary. So why why didn't why didn't goodness launch this weekend? Let's talk about it, Loki. Um, well, first of all, people probably should know what it is. Yeah, like uh, we should probably <laughs> tell, we should probably tell people who you are more so. You yeah, know what yeah, because like, people know you. I don't know that people are gonna want to even hear another Drake uh, review by the time <laughs> this com- <laughs> even if this comes out tomorrow. I don't. I think it might be too late for another Drake review. <laughs> I'm putting I'm putting it up. I'm putting it up literally when you if you send it to me now, I'll put it up. It's, it's, it's it actually might uploading right now. It already might be too late for more drink <laughs> talk. <laughs> we may have passed the mark. <laughs> but so, all right, you're not a, you're an Atlanta native, right? Uh, outside Atlanta, yeah. Outside yeah. of Atlanta, by way, you're Denver by way of Atlanta. Yeah, Noonan, Georgia. And you you pretty much got your DJ stripes here. Like this is where you yeah, built yeah, your yeah, career. Yeah. All right, so Definitely. let's talk about it. The early the early stages, early days of Loki. How did you get into DJing? 
know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, I got into DJing in a really funny way. Um, like, like all teenagers, I became obsessed with music to a certain degree, and uh, it was uh, the late '90s, and it was a, a beautiful time when uh, things were really starting to first crack off at the beginning part of the internet, but a lot of like the old traditions were still around. And uh, one of the cool things that, that was happening at the time was. Uh, instead of just getting flooded with random releases, you know, you would just hear official projects and albums and EPs and singles or whatever. Um, but also there would be really cool, like, independent 12 inches that came out that were kind of DJ-oriented or special vinyl-only B-sides or, you know, just a lot of cool songs that you could only get if you had turntables. So as I was, like, nerding out on music, it was just like, man, I need to, you know, if I really want to listen to all the songs from the artists I like, I need to get turntables. And if I want to hear all of the music that's good, then I need to get turntables. It would be like almost like how important it is to have like a good internet connection now if you want to hear everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so, as, yeah. As, I, as when I was a kid, I remember, I remember seeing turntables and thinking like you had to be a, a fucking scientist to know how to play music. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I knew how to use a record player, mm-hmm. but like the mixer, the turntables, and all that shit, it, it just seemed like so much of a barrier for entry. Yeah, well, like, the first time you look at it, it's, like, so many buttons and knobs, and it's, you know, a lot of them, what you realize when you DJ is, like, a lot of those are only used in, like, really specific situations, or some you don't even really end up using much at all, but when you first look at it, you can't, you can't tell that, or, like, even with the new mixers, it's just, like, a bunch of crazy buttons lighting up. When I learned how to set up a mixer and turntables, I was so excited. (laughs) It's a a big moment. I mean, it's a a huge moment when you've, like, been DJing for a little while, like, I don't know what to do with any of this shit. Like, I, like I would have to wait for the person like whose gig it was to set shit up and shit. Yeah. See, I when I when I got started, it didn't. I didn't come in like that. I'd bought. I'd saved up money all summer long for my first summer job when I was, I think, like 15 years old. And you know, it was big money at the time. And I had saved up like three months of money, and I had like I don't know five or six hundred bucks around. And I was like, ah, oh, I'm gonna buy turntables. And I like ordered. I it was either from. Beach Street or Music Factory? I can't remember because I placed two orders and one was for like some records and one was for like a DJ starter kit with uh, Bell Drive turntables. It was this brand called Linear Tech. And it's really funny because it's like a really cheap, obscure brand. And Von P is actually one of the only people in my whole DJ (laughs) career who I've ever known who has like been familiar with that equipment because he had some (laughs) stuff by them too. But it's like, He had a turntable too from uh, Linear Tech. Yeah, Linear Tech and there were these Bell Drive turntables that were just awful as could be. I wonder what Linear Tech is into now. Uh, I would hope not around. (laughs) (laughs) I would hope, you know, like the evolution uh, of everything just kind of made them obsolete. (laughs) I mean, it was basically like Radio Shack light quality. Um, but you know, I mean, more important than, uh, even if they were good, D, you know, turntables for DJing on it, like at least was like an entry point. It was something that I could afford. Cause like at the time, you know, the 400 or 500 bucks it cost for that box set was like an unfathomable, like large yeah, yeah. amount of money. You know, that was like, you know, summer job money. The first time you have a summer job where you're like really getting it is like huge in itself. And then if you accumulate that and blow it on like one thing, it's like, you know, that's a huge, huge thing. And, uh, you know, I mean, man, I remember getting it and just unboxing it. I mean, it was like, it was like, you know, Christmas times 10. And, like, I already bought a couple records at, like, the local record store. So I was, like, dying just, like, man, I can't wait to play these. <laughs> and it was funny because it was stuff that I even already had. It was, like, stuff I had on CD. And I was, like, man, but, no, nah, when I played on the turntables. And then, like, when the other, you know, thing, the other package came and it was, like, there was, like, DITC 12 inches, like, some of the first raucous stuff. 
Like oh, there was man. like a like a really specific era where like it wasn't like you could just go buy it otherwise. It yeah. wasn't like oh let me just get like a certain B side or just one bonus song. It was like oh well if you really want to listen to these DITC songs you have to have turntables. There's no DITC CD cassette nothing. It would just be like either here it's for the DJs or if you get it on a mixtape. Like, so yeah. like like with that how did you find record pools and shit like 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 the evolution like so you had this equipment yeah, yeah you had these these new these songs you probably were you're probably a good dj starting out you know what i'm saying no no you probably started out awful awful i'm giving you the benefit of the no 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 first of all if you start off good i feel like something's going wrong if you start off good Probably, probably hey man, something. Probably I'm something. Peak early, you know probably something is wrong in your thinking if you think that you're good at first as a DJ. It's probably straight delusion. So how long before you got like good? I mean, like I know you. I know you had some rough first. Everybody has rough first gigs. Years right? and years. Well, like part of it is a, it's part of it is just like philosophy and understanding things. Like the because way that, sidebar yeah. like. You you started DJing presumably before there was Scratch Academy and all these DJ schools, so you had to teach yourself yeah, yeah, a lot yeah. of this shit just based on like listening in your own like just just practice. yeah paying dues yeah. like kind of finding mentors like some that are more like actual mentor types and some just people you would be around that were older and um you know it's really weird to talk about it sounding like so old school now but you know really like the information some of it was out there on the internet because it was, it was still like. You know, there was the internet in the late yeah, 90s. It was, like, it was, you could find stuff, but it, yeah, it wasn't like, oh, let me just go find a video about anything I want to learn. Like, now you can literally learn anything on YouTube and, and millions of other variations, and it's a beautiful thing. But, like, the information just didn't work like that. And, uh, you know, it's a trade off. There was an amazing mystique. Like, when you get turntables, it, like, basically, like, unlocked another, you know, 20 or 30 percent or 50 percent of dope music that you just couldn't listen to otherwise right and like that in itself is crazy or like you know when you had to have a physical item like there was stuff that maybe would be like almost impossible to find on cd but you could find it like at the record store or you you know as a kid or when you're like broker you could go buy used records that a lot of times would be cheaper than used cds yeah, sometimes um, they would put stuff for vinyl only and shit. Yeah, a lot of yeah. vinyl only stuff. I mean, that's the whole thing that was instantly attractive to me about it at first. Like, when I bought turntables, it was, like, completely unfathomable that I would, like, DJ for money. Like, I didn't even consider DJing for money when I bought turntables. Oh, wow. So you didn't you didn't buy turntables like, I'm going to be a DJ. And this no, thing. no, you didn't no. Buy, like, as a career move. I bought turntables because, like, I was listening to mixtapes, and I wanted to have those 12 inches, and I wanted to be able to make mixtapes if I wanted, but I wasn't, like oh, I'm going to be a mixtape hustler, or I wasn't like, I'm going to be a club dude, or I wasn't like, I'm going to go DJ on the road with some rappers. Uh, like, none of that stuff ever crossed my mind. So put a pin in it, fun sidebar, what did you want to be? What did you think you were going to be when you grew up back when you thought oh, about having a job? Uh, <laughs> just like some... And I know you had random jobs, but what, yeah, was, you, what was like your Just some normal career? business job. Like, you just picture like, oh, I'm going to go to college and like learn about some businessy shit and get some kind of <laughs> yeah. businessy job. Like, yeah, like it was like very vague in my yeah, head. Yeah, it was yeah. like, I'll be successful, and I'll like, you know, like as a, like no one grows up and they're like, I'm gonna grow up and get a boring job and be broke. Right, like right. you might grow up and be like, I'm gonna have a boring job, but I'm gonna be getting six figures for it. <laughs> like, I'm gonna be a businessman, but I'm gonna make at least a hundred k. So look, somewhere out there in the, in the in the multiverse is low key the statistics analyst who makes hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year as an industry salary. Yeah, yeah. And now he's a millionaire, and he wishes like. 
I should have bought those turntables when I was. He's young. like, yeah, he's such like a <laughs> closet. He's the dude who you see like sitting next to you on a plane doing like virtual DJ in his headphones for the whole time, <laughs> or like you know, and that's cool too. Like you know, more power to him. But uh, yeah, I I you know never would have predicted that things worked out how they did, and it's really cool I think because like like for instance, I was having to talk with one of my musician friends, and he was like, man, like like growing up. He was talking about how he, like, imagined himself being, like, a Prince or Michael Jackson figure when he grew up and, like, became a musician and it was always in his blood. And he's, like, an amazing, amazing artist who I think is destined for really big things. But it's, like, like his expectation was always, like, the epitome from day one. And, like, for me, I never had any expectations of anything. Yeah. Like, you know, literally, like, things that I do on the daily are, like, unfathomable to the me that first bought turntables. Like, if when I'm scrolling through my phone, there's names that come up that, like, I still can't even believe that right. are like people in my phone. Um, and it was never like, it was never like, like for instance, like DJ revolution was just out here and, and I do a decent amount of events where we, where we work together, like him coming out here and um, you know, he's cool. He's become a, a friend and it's really weird. Cause like the me that has DJ revolution mixtapes would never think like, Oh man, you're going to grow up and you're going to throw parties and this dude is going to come out and play your parties and have a good time with you. And it's going to be just like, this dude's gonna be your peer, not a peer, because yeah. definitely not a peer. Like, I mean, he's like one of the greatest of all time. You, but yeah, like, you still gotta respect him as the OG. But like, like you're not gonna be friends with your heroes in any way, shape, or form. Like, you don't imagine that. Uh, at least you, I didn't. You the know, the fact that you gotta have a, hu a human relationship. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's like, a much like a better way to say it. Because peers is the wrong word. Like, yeah, like yeah. revolution. I hold on a pedestal as like literally one of the best DJs, if if not maybe the best DJ ever. Yeah. Like his resume you is, is maybe me, the best of all time. That time you called me, you were just like, it was the most amazing. Show. I mean, like <laughs> I've seen at this point, I've seen Rev spin at least like five or six times, and every single time it's just like, man, the way this dude puts these records together is amazing. Like. Like the cleanliness of like the mixes, like the creativity, and then it's like you look at like the longevity, like the wake up show, like all the different other stuff, like the albums, the mixtapes, like the artists he's worked with. He teaches at Scratch Academy for like their advanced students in LA. Um, it's like man, like he's had an impact in so many ways. He has like footnotes of his career that are crazier than some people's whole like career combined. Like yeah, yeah. this dude, like casually, he'll casually mention like, oh yeah. When I was on tour with Kanye on the graduation tour, and you're like, wait, I didn't realize you were Kanye's DJ on the graduation tour. He's he's had so many accomplishments that he's probably just like, they just they're just like memories in the back that may come up and bubble, bubble well, to the surface. Yeah, and man. he's just like a real humble, like cool human being. Um, you know, I think in that sidebar, I think it's really cool. I didn't know he was a teacher at Scratch Academy. I think it's really yeah. cool when people of his like skill level and expertise and talent give back in that way. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, like oh, just awesome. to make sure, because man, like. As a gatekeeper, you can either, like, keep people out or just, like, hold people up. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, he's just like, I'm not a, I'm not going to keep people out, but I'm going to make sure that when they get to a certain level, I'm going to help shape them a little bit. Yeah, you exactly. Know? And, like, he, I think he teaches, like, the final, like, last class if you go through, like, their whole process. And uh, it's cool. It's funny. because it. I'm about to move to L.A. and take some class. Yeah, for real, man. That's an amazing <laughs> sales pitch. But it's crazy because he says, like, some of the kids know who he is and they're, like, super geeked and can't believe Revolution is the teacher. And some have no clue. Uh, who he is at all and it's really funny because like if you're like a complete novice and don't have an understanding like somebody that's that good it could go over your head really easily how yeah. good they are so like there's people who literally have like you know a michael jordan of djing as their teacher and don't even realize it <laughs> but so get, and getting to yeah and getting to the, the the stage where you're able to find the humanity in your idols like how did you even 
shape Denver into the market that it is for yourself? Because that's the one thing that, like, like throughout the years of coming up here, we're just like, yo, low key is, like, you know what I'm saying? For what it's worth, you kind of have Denver under your thumb. You know what I'm saying? Like, like a, a segment of Denver. I'm not saying, like, I'm not saying, yeah, like. Yeah, I don't think it works like that. Uh, I think it's been really good to, uh, you know, just been, I would say this. We've been fighting the good fight, me and, and, and you know, different partners of mine, like Sound Supreme and Lazy Eyes. And, Bum and Squad? Was that Bum Radio Squad? Bums. Radio Bums, yeah. Um, But, yeah, just a lot of people. I mean, Denver has a really strong DJ community, and, like, a lot of people don't realize it because, you know, first of all, I'll say this. Part of it is, I think, the unique stuff that, that I've done. But also a lot of it is like the timing of when I did it, you know, how Denver works as a market, which is really weird because like there's no other big city in the country that's this uh, distance from other big cities. Like we're an island in the, like the the strongest sense of the word, um, like most big cities. And I've known this, you know, learned this really the first time that it really hit me hard was touring with you guys, um, you know, DJing shows for Tiny Morgan and and going to different markets and going to the East Coast and being like. Oh, an hour later, we're in another big city. Two hours later, we're in another right. big city. <laughs> like, from Denver, you go an hour or two and you can get to a ski resort. And to go to the next big city is, first of all, like, they're, they're not, like, huge on the kind of, like, musical culture. You know, if you go to, like, Salt Lake City or places yeah. like that, it's like, you know, they're not bad cities, but, like, that's not going to do you much good if you're, like, really trying to break out. Like, it's a really long ways to places that you can have, like, a, a, a different kind of musical impact. So anyways, like, because of that, Denver works in, like, a very, I think, different way than most cities. And the, the cool part of that, though, is there's it's, – it's pure in that way. So w what you're able to do, I think, is, um, you know, there's, there's no expectation. It's not like if you're, like, in Philly and people are going back and forth to New York all the time and they're like, oh, well, this is how they do things in New York. And Denver is just kind of like a bubble. And within that kind of little – uh, well, I'll say this. If Denver's an island, I've been able to build, like, a little bubble within that island. And uh, just from, like, really concentrating my efforts on, like, the kind of stuff I really believe in, I've been able to, like, you know, get a good amount of people that fuck with it and uh, kind of believe in the same stuff. And, you know, if you fight the good fight long enough, it, it amounts to something. Yeah, you, you cultivated a pretty dope core audience. Like, every time I come to the out here and to your events and shit, it's, it's, really, it's really nice to see the range of music you're allowed to play and what people will let you do. Like, like as, as like a conductor of the event, like people just kind of, they trust you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it and takes time, but yeah. That, that's not to say that people don't come make requests and shit. Like, like yeah. there's still that level of just it's It's still a DJ gig, yeah. Yeah, but I've, se I've seen you through several different venues and like, like building and growing things to this. Like, I've been what, this is like your fourth apartment since I've been coming out here? Third, fourth? Yeah, yeah. But I mean, you've been coming out here for now 10 years. It's ten been 10 years, years at least... Yeah, 10 years this year or so. Maybe 11 since the first time we did a gig. When I moved to New York, you were like, nope, you got to come here every year because I'm trying to you're trying to move me out here, and I get it low-key. Yeah, I'll I, be out here I make that push. Uh, <laughs> I mean, first of all, right now, everybody's moving to Denver, so I'm sure some Denver people probably don't want me pitching it, but... Yeah, like some of my some of my music homies, I've definitely encouraged them to, to yeah, make the move. Yeah, Denver is definitely... Like, it, the, when we were driving in today from uh, that restaurant, you were like, look at all these cranes. Right? It, it, that's when it hit me. Like, holy shit, Denver is really... Changing, you Look, know what I'm saying? One right there, there's one right behind us. I, mean, it, I you guess can see a dozen cranes if, I, you, if you take a look, like at any given moment. There's downtown. a crane outside your apartment right now. Yeah, 
Cranes like the, on cranes on cranes. The one that I bought you for your personal elevator that you're not. Oh using. yeah, there's literally is a crane <laughs> blocking the way to leave my parking a lot. Crane in your parking like lot. Like a small parking lot being stored in the parking lot of my apartment. <laughs> Somebody in your apartment's building another apartment. I don't even know how the hell that happened. There's been a crane for almost a week just parked. That's how much development is going on. They don't even have places to park all the cranes. But so that's like in New York, if I go away for a month and come back and I walk around my neighborhood, like they're literally new apartment buildings. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Same so deal, same deal. It's it's crazy to see it happening like that. On a scale here too, yeah, it's, yeah, it's happening everywhere. But it's just you crazy expect that in like New York or the Bay. You don't really picture that in like Denver. Yeah, it, also it's like another city where I, I recognize how the city looks and feels, and I'm like, oh yeah, this is different. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Well, it's like I describe it like right now it's kind of the adolescence of Denver. You know, being so isolated, I think it grew up a little bit slower, um, or you know maybe grew up slower, but like developed a little bit differently than a lot of other cities. And that's a really cool thing. Like, it, it gives Denver a really, like, unique vibe and charm. Do you see the gentrification aspect affecting, um, like, events you throw? Like, oh, yes. I, oh, like you yeah. Were saying, how you were saying the um, beauty bar or whatever from last night, yeah. like, it's, it's, it's different now. Yeah. Like, it's a whole different thing. How do you see it affecting your events? I mean, uh, like it's, it's different every venue. Like, the neighborhood where I do a lot of stuff is uh, this neighborhood. It's called Rhino now. Uh, or kind of five points. It's kind of like the bridge of two kind of neighborhoods, and, and it's really you interesting. You got a five-point Snapchat filter over here. There we go. But uh, <laughs> You're not on Snapchat. No, I'm not on Snapchat. I'm, I'm <laughs> <laughs> I had to draw the line somewhere. I don't need any more distractions, and, and Snapchat <laughs> seems like a great one. Um, but no, I mean, you definitely can see it, and like the crazy part about where I do a lot of my events is it's a really cool kind of artsy neighborhood that was right on the, the fringes of downtown, so it was kind of something that was like an obvious... Like, a, like, it was, like, a really cool thing in plain sight that people were sleeping on. So it really, you know, I, I can't really be that surprised that all of a sudden it's turned into this really cracking, like, super thriving thing. But it's also kind of frustrating because what first attracted me to it was, like, wow, this is a cool neighborhood with a lot of flavor that is close to everything, but it isn't filled with randoms, and I don't have yeah. to worry about the bro crowd. Um, and now it's, like, as Denver, you know, gets, you know, bigger and bigger in the downtown area it's kind of pushing up against the area where i do stuff it used to be like the cool fringe area and now it's like the super trendy neighborhood and so yeah it's i mean it's tricky and it's weird because you know no matter what you do when you throw events there's always people that like pine for better days like if you took a poll of like 100 people that have been coming to my events for the last over the last decade you're gonna get like 100 different answers of what was like the best time you know to go out to those events and with that said, like Denver changing so quick, it's really kind of magnified that effect. And um, it's tricky because like, you know, you don't want to be the party that's like, you don't want to be like the asshole party that's like judging people at the door and like really strict to get in. Like our party is very, are very inclusive and it's like for everybody. Like the way I describe it is like our party is, is for everybody. But it's not for everybody. You know what right, I mean? Right, like right, right. anybody can come to the party if you fucking get it. Like I don't care yeah. if you're young, old, like what your background is, broke, rich. Like I don't give a shit about any of the details if you're there for the right reasons, like for the music and have a good time. But what's happened now is like people walk by, like the neighborhood is more cracking. People walk by and they're like, oh, well, there's a line to get into this place. We should go get there. That must be a cool yeah, spot if yeah, people yeah. are in line for it. And so then you end up people who are going there because, like, they hear it's cracking or they see a line, which is, like, not the reason why you should go to a party. Like, right. and so it, it it creates this weird issue where, like, like, can you really be mad at those people? Like, they're still putting money in your pocket. Well, the other thing, too, is um, I forget 
What um it was I was watching um Bar Bar Rescue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> excellent segue. Excellent segue. <laughs> Shout out to Von P for telling me about Bar Rescue. I love Bar, Bar Rescue. You saw that that dude is a fraud, apparently. No, I didn't know that. Oh, you need to do some homework on Mr. John Tafford. We'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> well, basically, what he was saying was that, um, like for events and for for like venues, it's good to have a set amount of um I forget I forget the percentage or whatever because it, it was probably a fake number since he's a fraud. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I'll just say a fake number. He said like it's good to have a 70% regulars and 70 70% of an established base and this 30% shedable runoff crowd that changes every night. Yeah, and that's important you know like, like cuz th- that way the regulars if it, it feels new to the regulars and it also the runoff crowd like they're just they don't give a shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And, but the thing is this, like, there's always going to be some people at the party who care less about the music and the vibe than other people. That's just the nature of the, the business and how bars work. And, like, you know, sometimes, like, I'll say this, like, there's been times when I go to a party that's outside of my normal scene and I'm the outsider, you know, maybe not in a bro-y, annoying kind of way, but, like, I, you know, some of my favorite nights ever of going out have been where I've gone and been the outsider at a party and just seen a whole scene I didn't know about and yeah. had a great time. And, like, with some of the parties that we do, people will come and they'll be like, uh, you know, our, our, hip, our parties aren't like only hip hop, but they're kind of hip hop based or hip hop oriented. And sometimes people come through and they'll be like, I don't really listen to any of this music, but I'm having a great time. This is awesome what you do. And so like, I, you know, I don't want only people who are like music nerds. I don't want only people that spend all day on the blog. I want some people who just come and have a good time and are more casual, but it's also really weird. Cause like, you know, there's, there's, uh, an equilibrium to be like, you know, had in that. And it's, you know, the frustrating thing now, and it's a great problem to have, and I, I knock on wood every time that I, I mention it, but it's, like, crazy because now we're, we get to capacity a lot of times, and the people that we want to get in can't get in because it's one in, one out. Right. Meanwhile, there's some bro in there who's, like, happy that he's at a packed party, but he would be at any bar that's packed, not giving a shit, just getting drunk. And, like, it's really hard, though. You can't just be, like... Oh, sorry, dude. You gotta go. You don't appreciate the music enough. Like I don't want to. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if. I don't know if this is. Uh, um, secret information, I guess. Yeah. But um, <laughs> I, I heard you were talking to somebody about a system to prevent that from happening to regulars, like like the button thing or whatever. And yeah, if yeah. You wanna, if I want me to edit this out, I can. No, 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 no. I mean, yeah. we've just talked about different ways to where we can like to identify the people who should like to like just the prioritize people who, the people who've been coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like uh, which I think is really cool because the other part is that. People can't see it, but you have these cool, like, solution, goodness, like, pens and, like, all this, like, swag that you have developed. Yeah. I mean, we've gotten out, like, a couple thousand different buttons for the parties. And so, like, one of the things that we've talked about doing is having, like, a higher cover if you don't have the button. Um, or even, like, we were about to have some patches that are about to come out in the next couple patches weeks. Patches are dope. You got you to gotta get those die cut uh, yeah, the, solution the patches. Yeah, the die cut patches. And uh, so that's the thing is, like, I mean, we've already given out a couple of the homies who, like, put on the jacket. And as far as I'm concerned, like, you're forever golden. If you want to walk yeah. around wearing a patch of the party, then, like, you shouldn't have to worry about the cover or have that hard of a time getting in. But, um, yeah, it's tricky. I mean, it's weird because, like, for so long, like, when, you know, when you're first starting par- to throw parties, like, when you're first DJing parties, I think you just want to DJ for the most people and you don't give a shit how high quality they are. And then you realize, like, oh, I want to DJ maybe smaller events for people who have better taste in music and, a, like, a more, like, of a, a, a organic, cool scene. But then you're like, all right, well, if I'm going to throw my own parties, like, how do I get people there? And so you're, like, yeah. trying so hard to get people. And then all of a sudden, like, some shit is, is cracking and you got people. And the next thing you know, like, you have too many people and it's like you don't want to move venues. It's- but you, you don't want to make it a bad experience for the people either or, like, it's hard to get a drink or you have to wait in line. And it's like, 
it's crazy because it's like a new set of problems that like I could have only dreamed for. Like the parties have been successful, but never to the level that it's recently been where it's like, man, how do we make sure that all the regulars aren't waiting in line all night? And like, right. you know, it's an it's amazing so, problem, but you know. Let's walk it back a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And building an <laughs> event brick by brick the way that you're building like an event, a scene, whatever, brick by brick the way that you have, like what would you say is like that first brick? Because I know that like, like just take, Solution came first. Yeah. Well, so take me back to the to the days when Solution was just like an idea. Like you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Back, back when you just had like this vision to just have a party. Well, so I mean, and how did you get it to? It's basically like a you franchised it a little bit. It's not a franchise. You know what I'm saying? No, like, but you. It's a, there's a spinoff party for it, which is goodness. Kind of a spinoff. Yeah. I mean, it. it yeah. It's just one of those things where, um, like the reason it's called the Solution. Is because me and the other DJ I started it with Sound Supreme. Shout um, out Sound Supreme. Yeah, fucking That's the homie, man. awesome dude, man. That's Sound Supreme, homie, love yeah. that guy. Um, <laughs> an amazing DJ and just a great dude. Yeah. So we started the party together, um, and I probably should fill in the gray area before we started the party because there's definitely like some different endeavors that make it possible for it to even exist. Do it. Solution, de- like, y- if you throw parties, the the party that you're known for is probably like your tenth party or your fifth party or something like. Uh, you know, maybe now with the internet, it's a little bit different. If you're like somebody who has like a really cracking social media presence and you translate that into a party, but for the most part, like you know, I, I think at least when DJs are throwing party, there's a lot of trial and error and like yeah. going from being the dude who just is like playing music at someone else's party or just taking top forty gigs to throwing your own party with its own personality is like it doesn't just happen overnight. I don't think. I think it takes a lot of like trial and error. So, what was the party before Salute? Like the one. Right before Solution, you know what I'm saying? Like, I know that there are, you probably had a couple. Yeah, well, the way it all worked out was like, so, you know, to back it up, so I, I bought turntables to want to listen to different random obscure stuff, and the, f- the first thing that happened when I had my first gig was I just uh, went down in flames uh, <laughs> <laughs> playing all this super obscure, cool shit. It was my homies. Uh, I think he, we were freshmen in high school, maybe, or maybe sophomores. I mean, it sounds like your normal DJ set, though. Super obscure, cool, cool shit. No, 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 no. <laughs> it definitely wasn't working. The, the, I couldn't walk the line like I do now. But So I go and I have all these cool records. It was right after the uh, the Body Rock 12-inch dropped where it was most F Tash and Q-Tip. And I remember like it was a fundraiser for my homie's high school soccer team, which is obviously not the place to be like yeah. testing out your latest underground bangers. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm there, like, and that was at a time when underground records was a thing. Like, underground is a really Wait, were thing. Were there soccer moms at this soccer? Oh, of course. I mean, that's oh. the thing. I'm literally at this party, and it's like, it's like all these like young high school kids. I'm a young high school kid. I never played in public. I'm all nervous, and I'm there playing like body rock and wondering why no one is caring. <laughs> I'm like, why are these these people don't realize like this is most deaf. Q-Tip and Tash on the same song? This is fucking incredible. Why does no one care? Meanwhile, people are coming up, like, requesting a bunch of shit that I just hate, and I'm like, oh, this is fucking awful. Like, you know? At least when in the vinyl days, you could be like, I don't... I don't well, that's the thing. It wasn't don't e- have that record. Yeah, it wasn't like, oh, I could download it or play it off yeah. of a phone or anything. It was just straight crash and burn. So I was just playing, like, background music that no one cared about. And then shortly after that, uh, I had a big homie uh, named Petey. Shouts to DJ Petey, who... Uh, was a guy who was five years older than me and we had the same summer job, the same job where I had uh, saved up money to buy the turntables. And he got turntables shortly after me and he was friends with a lot of like Denver DJs. He was in college in Boulder at CU at the time. And so 
what happened was he would learn from all these Denver DJs and I would learn from him. And so I went up, to, so I remember I was probably like 17 and I had turned for like a year or two and I went up to see him DJ his, one of his first gigs and it was a sorority party. And he had like, <laughs> you know, he was playing like a lot of pop stuff, but he was also playing like Tribe Called Quest, Award Tour. Cause like late nineties, I was still like, you know, that was like a platinum record. Yeah, yeah. And so like people knew that shit and like he played, I remember seeing him and I was like, he was at this party. He was in like a really dope house party. He was on like a second level, like overlooking everything with like an open floor plan. And like there's all these like, you know, it wasn't like a ton of people, but it's probably like 80 or 100 people packed into a small house. women because it's a sorority. Yeah, party. women go yeah. and they're going crazy. And he's like playing a war tour and there's girls dancing and going crazy. And I'm like, wait, this is DJ too? I want this. Because <laughs> like when you're... When you're like a high school kid, you don't you don't go to those kind of parties Yo, really, and, just, and you just, don't even see them. You and know, just the contrast of soccer moms and sorority chicks. Well, yeah, <laughs> and like to do that as My like mind is just like one party was exponentially cooler. Yeah, even even, even outside of the, the DJ. Oh, <laughs> unquestionably, and like to do this and to go from being like a 17 year old kid who was like uh, in high school right outside Colorado Springs at the time to go into like a Boulder college party as a 17 year old like as a 17 year old just going to a, a sorority party is the shit that's yeah, that in itself yeah. is like whoa there's all these drunk ass crazy girls <laughs> scantily clad you're dancing like, all freaky. i didn't know this happened outside of cinemax <laughs> yeah like i mean shit you're like at the time you'll be seeing that like unscrambled up versions right. <laughs> or like wild on e you're like i'm living wild on e life <laughs> or like i'm in some crazy 80s college movie or something but uh yeah, so that just changed my whole trajectory, and it was really funny because uh, CU Boulder is uh, a very white place. It's one of the kind of places where, like, all my black friends at CU would give each other the nod when, if they see each other or any other black, black people. Black head nod. They, yeah. The, the gentrifiers don't respect it. I mean, that's not even a gentr- I, had, I had to clap on that. Up there, it's not even a gentrification <laughs> thing. Uh, up there, it's just uh, there's only been white people, and, like, you know, there's there's I, a few other people, but it's a I, very white place. I went to University of Cincinnati, and I had I, I experienced that in, like, the microcosmic kind yeah, of way. Yeah. Like, oh, shit. But, yeah. It's a crazy thing, but uh, point being, uh, we called a lot of those records, like, the ones that we didn't really like, but we needed to have for gigs, uh, cracker hits. So all of a sudden, <laughs> it went... All of a sudden, it went from collecting, like... Dope indie hip hop, twelve inches to like, yo, I got to get some cracker hits yeah. so I can play these parties. <laughs> so what? Name name like a peak cracker hit record. Like what's what is like the um, in your mind one that's just like that would set the party off. I mean, if you real, I mean, if you really want to go like a really extreme one, it would be like a Madonna record or something. You know, you get like a Madonna album and like, you know, because it's not this is the only white people <laughs> like it, but like at the time, like you got to keep in mind like. Music was like really like uh, compartmentalized and genre oriented. Music so, like, used to be super segregated. If you had an idea before iPods, music yeah, was super segregated. Exactly. Yeah. So like I had this identity, even as a white dude, I had this identity of like, oh, I see everything through a hip hop lens. And like Madonna, you know, I guess you could say Madonna's kind of hip hop in her own rebellious which era way. Of Madonna, what do you? It'd be like like a virgin and shit like that, Vogue and those yeah, kind of songs. Okay. Like you know the like the big big hits. Like the yeah. you know. It wasn't like uh, you know how like, uh, tasteful can I get playing Madonna? Yeah, it was just how how can I how can I reset this thing to make sure that the feet are still moving? Yeah, well, it was just like like my my exposure to DJing was listening to like going back to Atlanta and hearing DJs on the radio, hearing dudes like DJ Nabs who were like really good mix show DJs playing like radio rotation stuff mixed with cool obscure stuff. And recording that and being like, wow, this is cool. I want to make mixtapes like what these guys do. And then seeing the homie PD playing like sorority parties with cracker hits 
and then me like just buying random obscure 12 inches like those were my three kind of exposures to djs and then yeah, occasionally yeah. seeing shit on like you know you'd see stuff on like yo mtv raps or like uh rap city but it wasn't like a dj party you would just see a dj like on the intermission or something right it wasn't like this is what it's like at a dj party you know and once again like now you can just see that on youtube and that that's what's exported but like you know you would look at her magazine or something and you'd see pictures of parties but it wasn't like this is just how a party works yeah, yeah. and like once again like i got into it originally to play to buy like indie 12 inches so to play madonna was like a huge weird <laughs> jump for me but also it was like you know the other part that i didn't mention was not just that you know you make people go crazy but like you're getting paid too like yeah hey you can have djing as a job it, it, that's that's like the 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 paperwork part of the job it was the trade-off yeah it's like where you figure out oh this job this cool ass job also has some stuff that like that like every job yeah. has stuff that you don't like and especially when you're new to a job there's more stuff to not like and you know i recognize that and at that point you know being like my first few years of djing until i turned 21 i was never exposed to like really any quote-unquote good music parties i would just go to the homie stop 40 gigs yeah. which was awesome but like it just kind of solidified me being like oh well if you want to make money djing you probably have to be top 40 or you have to establish yourself you know, via like DMCs or be in New York or LA or something making right. mixtapes. You can't just you can't just be like a Colorado dude who's so, gonna pay your bills playing, you know, uh, raucous records. <laughs> did you go on to develop your own top forty party? No, I mean like I didn't even think about throwing my own parties. Like you just oh. go, you fill in. Like it was like the traditional paying dues route, which I think it it, it holds true for a lot of DJs. Which is like you start off and you do a house parties for homies. And you do house parties for other people that aren't the homies. And if you're in a college place, you know, maybe that's, you know, college-oriented, uh, like, return to your sorority or whatever kind of parties. And then you get, like, fill in for your big homie DJ at a club gig. And then maybe you open for him at something. Or maybe you get, like, a shitty residency. And then maybe you luck out and you land, like, a first good residency. And that's when you, like, really cut your teeth after paying all those dues all different ways and kind of yeah, learning yeah. the background. And, like, that's exactly how it worked for me. And I think... For a lot of DJs who are probably over the age of, like, 30, probably if you're a DJ and you started on vinyl and you DJed clubs or for a living, that was probably the route that you took. Like, almost all of those boxes got checked. And, like, when you're done with all those, then you've, like, played parties where a drunk person has spilled shit on the turntables and you've played parties where, you know, some drunk girl's, like, bumping into you all night and you've played parties where <laughs> you had you to, like, take some... a shit at, at midnight at the height of the action and had to fight the car. You know, like, you do all these weird things that, like non-glamorous dj shit you know yeah, you've had yeah. something probably stolen by then or you know like there's a weird set of paying dues that's the very not glamorous side of djing that you know doesn't doesn't get talked about when you see like fist pumping eating bros on tv right right so so you're are you saying the solution was the first party okay so yeah so anyways i'm doing a lot of top 40 like up in boulder and like occasionally trying to fit like whatever cool stuff i can here and there and i had a reputation as a top 40 dude and it was really funny because I got this gig opening for KRS-One in Denver. And I just, like, playing all the shit that I liked. And all of a yeah. sudden, like, the dude who th had, like, the college radio show up in Boulder at the time that was really cracking, Bass Minimalism, which I is a great bass institution. Bass yeah. Uh, this dude, Mike Merriman, addict, uh, who was the host, saw me, and he was like, I think he was surprised that I knew all that shit and was playing all that shit and, and really enjoyed my set. So he had me come do a guest set on Bass Minimalism, and I started doing some, like, college radio stuff with, with them. And so, I, you know, 
I would be opening for like getting your radio host on and shit. Not even radio host. I would just do. Radio I was DJ. their most frequent guest guest because I wasn't even like part of the actual like crew, but I was like the number one most frequent guest for like years. Yeah. So you know, you kind of some basementism. Yeah, I mean, I had a lot of people. I mean, I, I was you know is is much a part of it as you could be without officially being part of it. Did the I, I'm going all over the place now, but so did the uh, radio bums come out of basementalism? No, Radio Bums is a whole different thing. So Radio okay. Bums was started by this dude, DJ Chones, who was a, another big influence. Chones? Yeah, Chones is an amazing, amazing DJ. Yeah, I know so many people in Denver. And a pioneer. He's a Denver pioneer for sure. <laughs> it's so uh, dope that I know, like... Yeah, you know all the people I mentioned. It's cool as hell, man. It's cool as hell. But yeah, Chones is definitely a pioneer in the city. And he started Radio Bums, which was a record pool that was started in the early 2000s. It actually started, I think, as a marketing company and a DJ crew uh, in the late 90s, mid to late 90s. And then... He had a record pool. It was actually really cool. Like one of the worst things uh, about DJ culture that's been eroded is is these physical record pools. Where you used to yeah. go, you would go like twice a month to a, like an office, and it'd be like all these the DJs who would have gigs, and you would pick up the records, and you would get stuff like early or some stuff that you couldn't get anywhere else. And you'd like you know you go in there and there's dope music playing, and you all talk about your gigs. It'd be on like Saturday morning or Saturday from like noon to two, and you would go in with all the other DJs and just like. Oh man, last night at the club, this record killed it, and that record killed it. And let me tell you this story about what this drunk chick did. This was crazy, and like, oh man, this happened and it that, was, and it was like really cool because it was like, like the, the DJ water cooler day. Yeah, you had yeah. like every twice a month, you had like a DJ water cooler day. We'd all go out to eat after, and like you learn about new music and stuff, and like you know that, and like people meeting up at the record stores. Those aren't really like a thing like they used to be, and like uh, I definitely am not trying to wax nostalgic because like I think things are better now, like. Living in the future is awesome, and like, <laughs> <laughs> I definitely am not complaining. Like, I, I fuck with that. I like, like the future. If there's somebody that I really want to shoot the shit with, I can just go grab food with them. Like, right. I don't have to have. And it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be like under the pretense of work. It can be like, well, we're coworkers or whatever. Yeah, but it was really cool. Like it, you know, the physical era forced certain things to happen that just wouldn't happen otherwise. And you know, yeah. and it made release dates more exciting and all that kind of shit. But anyways, um, so I had basically, I was doing top forty stuff for a living opening for shows occasionally, doing college radio of cool stuff and kind of what I believed in um, up in Boulder. Then when I graduated college in Boulder in 05, I, uh, I studied business. Um, and one of, my, one of my final things was... <laughs> Multiverse low-key was yeah, creeping in. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, like, I, I, I didn't know what I wanted to do after college. Like, yeah, yeah. And, I, you know, I mean, I, I, I knew what I loved doing, but, you know, when you get done paying for an education... You also kind of want to use that education right. in a, like a more formal way where that piece of paper counts, um, which I, I don't know that I really do much, but uh, whatever. Yeah, that's a, that's a that's whole, a whole different topic. topic. Yeah, I, yeah. Would, I would say you do, but we'll just we'll table that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyways, I it was funny because I had this writing class and it was like uh, like business writing and, and you had to take it to graduate and they were like write a resume for the job you want when you when you're done, and I was like I was like man. I asked the teacher, I was like, man, I'm not sure I'm ready to stop DJing. I've been DJing for a living already for a couple <laughs> years now. Can I write one for D the DJ gig I want down in Denver? It was like, cool. So I wrote it. There's this club called Rise, which is now Beta, which is the club that's owned by Beatport. Um, and it's like a, you know, a big spot. At the time, it was like the big flashy new club in Denver. And I was still mainly playing top 40. So I was like, man, this is the spot. And it was crazy because I wrote this whole like cover letter having never set foot in the club and just knowing that that was the spot and it was like from the moment I walked in blah 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 and like I was just like completely <laughs> bullshitted and then I had like my DJ resume 
And like, you know, a couple of weeks later, like you get my paper back and I got an A minus and I just kind of sat on it. And I remember being like, huh, maybe I should just send it in like on a whim. Because at first I wasn't even thinking about using it in real life. It was just like a paper to do it to do it. And then it was funny. I sent it in on a Sunday night, like 9 a.m. The next morning I got a call like oh, from the shit. place like, hey, we got your resume. We're actually looking for a DJ. Oh, that's dope. For our Wednesday night. College so, paid off a little yeah, bit. So I like, that? yeah, I guess in that way it did. So I like skipped my class paid yeah, off. Yeah, well, I was gonna say then I like skipped my classes that whole day to make a <laughs> demo for them and drive it down to Denver, um, and ended up getting the residency there. And that was like right before I graduated. Like, was well, that the spot where we went that time when you brought? No, us? no, that was Hush. Okay, um, Hush. Yeah, Rise was huge. I mean, it was like a, a thousand, fifteen hundred people, and like at a certain point I was DJing there like three or four nights a week. I used to DJ for like three to five thousand people every single week, top forty. And, like, it's, it was really fun. Like, you know, it's f- weird because, like, probably most of the people listening to this are, like, a little bit more into music than the average person and not really top 40 heads. Yeah, but, like, yeah. there's a really – stuff happens in a top 40 party that doesn't happen at a good music party. Like, girls don't really dance at a table or, like, get, like, super wild, like, at a good music party. Like, people right. are a little bit better behaved. People don't cut loose usually quite as much when, you know, the roots are playing. As they do <laughs> when, like, Little John is playing. And not to say, like, the parties Turn I'm throwing. Turn up to the silent Yeah, and not, and not trying to say, like, I'm not playing, like, party-friendly records in my gigs. In fact, no offense to the Roots, who are amazing, but I don't really play many Roots songs in my, yeah. in my parties. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that really is, illustrates the picture. You know, like, you know, people just act a little bit different. And it's really fun because, like, doing those top 40 gigs, it's about your ability to control people through the music not necessarily relate to people through the music right and like you you trade that in like when you do your own parties like in most parties i do now i'm relating to people through the music yeah not just controlling them through the music and when you're relating to people through the music it's a different response than when you're trying to control them through the music like and you, you take them for like a, a ride like your ride you're like the night through your eyes you know what i'm saying when you're relating to them like last night when i saw you when you spun um at, uh carl's St- yeah stay up saturdays stay with up carl saturdays. pick up carl carell what cheers up, carl? Yeah, <laughs> solution sounds. But so when we uh like I watched your set and I was just texting my girl like yo this dude went from like fucking salsa or some shit to to um like dub plates to like underground and it was such like like you had these mini sets just like it was such it was so dope to watch. You know uh, what I'm thanks saying? man. Uh yeah I mean I you know it's cool because the way that my DJ career has panned out is like I've always been like a good music dude I think. At, uh, like not even think I know I've been like a, a music quality first kind of dude my whole life like even in my most top 40 stages I was still going to the record store and buying like you're, you're quality first everything your whole life yeah yeah <laughs> you taught Tanya Morgan how to eat on tour yeah I mean these motherfuckers <laughs> were is, trying to go <laughs> which is a whole other they were trying to hit Subway in every city these motherfuckers <laughs> drove me on a national hey, tour trying to eat Subway in every city in the country we just we, we thought Jared we, we didn't we thought Jared was still a good dude you that know what was saying? that was the biggest He's fresh the biggest issue I've ever ever had with Tanya Morgan <laughs> is these motherfuckers trying to make me subway every Fuck city in the we whole don't go. country. We, we eat good now. We eat good. But, Man. but yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. So you're, <laughs> you're a good music dude. You're yeah, yeah. Dude. So anyways, so, you know, when I was doing this gigs at Rise, um, I would play top 40, but I would also like sneak in shit. The cool part about DJing and having a thousand people in the crowd is you can piss off half the crowd and there's still 500 people jamming. Right. <laughs> <laughs> And, like, you know, maybe I wouldn't do that at peak time, but, like, especially after last call, you know, it's last call on a Saturday. Like, you got, you know, the clubs at capacity, like, 1,500-plus people, and the last thing that they want, 
is for you to send the crowd home on like a really hype note. Yeah. So I'm like, hey, 1,500 people out on a Saturday night in downtown Denver who are random. Maybe you would like to hear Little Brother right now. (laughs) (laughs) And half of them wouldn't like to hear Little Brother right now. But I'll tell you what, like there'll be a couple motherfuckers every night who have made their whole fucking night that they heard Little Brother at the end of the night. (laughs) And like, you know what? Those are the same people that when I started doing more of my own shit were the first ones to show up. So how did when you started doing your own shit, like how was it how how was it starting that up? You know what I'm saying? Like, were you just like, you know, I'm sick of playing top 40, or were you like, I need something to fulfill me in addition to doing this? Or like, what was... It was really weird. So, uh, at the time when I was at that club Rise, uh, and this is a really f- funny, weird story, but I was uh, hanging out a little bit with this girl that worked there that was a go-go dancer. <laughs> Swag. Uh, yeah, <laughs> randomly enough. Uh, That's what's up. I fuck with Not you. that I really fit the profile of the dude to be hanging out with go-go dancers. Have you you like completely that. fit the profile. Only being a DJ, I guess. But anyways. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it was funny because uh, as I was working at Rise, there was this other place called Bar Lux that opened. Bar Lux, actually, is the I right way to pronounce it. But everybody pronounced it the wrong you way. Bar Lux. mixtapes for them and shit. I remember. Yeah. And so uh, somebody over there was a, was a friend of hers, and she wasn't just like a normal go-go dancer. She like ran the company. She was like really business oriented. Uh, she was like a madam, madam. Uh, yeah, I don't know that I would call her that. <laughs> I don't think she would probably like that. But uh, I'm, I'm I'm joking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she but she uh, <laughs> she recommended me to do music for this place, which was like a super upscale martini bar. And so all of a sudden it went from crazy drunk. Saturday night or, or weekend people vibes for the most part to tasteful, cool music for upscale martini bar in a really nice part of town. And I was DJing some nights there and programming all their music for when I wasn't there and like booking DJs for when I wasn't there. And they got like, I got to play really cool stuff. All of a sudden it went from, you know, uh, you know, when I was still doing some top 40 stuff at Rise at this big club and other places, but it went from basically doing that and DJing this other place Hush where you, where you came that was like more 30 something oriented yeah, yeah, and like I was doing those kind of parties and then all of a sudden I was having this place where I could really do whatever I wanted it wasn't like the every manish spot that's really the vibe of those kind of parties but that was kind of what was cool because people loved it they would come to this really nice spot where you could go and hear a Tribe Called Quest song while you're taking your date out at like a really nice like for lack of a better word like sexy chic you right. know, they had, like, the white marble counter. They had, like, the roses in the glass. Like, it was, like, a beautiful spot. And, you know, to hear some of the random shit or also just, like, the really good stuff. Like, it was a perfect place to, like, you know, make a playlist or, be, you know, play songs like, you know, Raphael Sadiq and D'Angelo and, you know, Dilla kind of vibes and Slump Village and, like, all that shit is, like, the perfect place for all that. And so I started doing that and, you know, it kind of expanded my reputation for doing good stuff around town and good music. And that spot was small and it never like super cracked off, but it definitely really like had a cult following. And as I was working there, they actually bought me out of one of the nights I was doing at the top 40 club. Oh damn. They were like, we'll pay you more to come here. Cause we don't want you to be as associated with the top 40 downtown shit. Damn. And, uh, and then the other place I was doing. Treacherous. Yeah. And you I was like, that? and I was like, cool, I'm fine to do less top 40 if I could go do more of my own shit. And so before, yeah, but did did you was there a small party that just enjoyed the the just total mayhem? Of oh yeah, yeah, not a small party. There's a large part of me. Okay, like, all right, all my right. thing is this: like, I don't, I don't want, like, I want, I want to make sure we get the full picture. Of no, the, of no. The I mean, here's the thing: you know like, I 
you know, a lot of dudes, a lot of quote unquote good music dudes really like frown and look down their nose uh, at dudes who do top 40. And well, I would like to hope that people would just do what they believe. Uh, there's definitely something that's great about playing like House of Pain, Jump Around at Midnight for a thousand or fifteen hundred drunk, you know, a lot of times, especially in Denver, mainly white people that are going to go fucking nuts. Yeah, yeah. Or like, you know, playing like a safe bet is maybe not, it's not fulfilling to like the music nerd in you as a DJ, but it's very fulfilling in like the, man, it's crazy to, you know, play a song and hear a whole crowd scream and then like right. cut out some part and there's a thousand people singing that part of the song back and to you. It also probably teaches you like a whole, it gives you a, a different musical education in terms of just like, in terms of like con- like controlling a room like you said. You yeah, know I mean, it definitely. And learn, learning how to start a room up. Yeah, it, like, it teaches you programming. Yeah, it, it it's teaches a lot of you like skill set you learn. Yeah, and it teaches you like, you know, it teaches you like, oh, if if something doesn't go over to have a, another jam ready, you know, and like you you know. Like I I watch you I, I watch you when you DJ, I watch you from behind the booth. Yeah. The one thing I always see you do, and I don't know if this is like me overthinking your your methods, but Yeah. When you're transitioning songs, you'll like pull up a record that works with the record you're playing and then just start going for other records. Yeah, sometimes like, so it's I do almost that. like you just like <clears throat> you have <clears throat> Sorry about that. You have the main record that you're gonna like. Like, okay, this will work, but let me just dig a little deeper and see if I can find some shit. That yeah, like, like be a curveball or more fun. Cause and that, like, yeah. cause also you never know what's gonna happen. Like, you might, you might pull up that record and then have to, somebody might spill something. Exactly. Or, or a drunk yeah. girl might try to touch your turntable. Like, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that was hilarious on Friday. Yo, touching the turntables makes you an asshole. Yeah, this this girl on Friday night tried to touch a turntable. I just got on the mic. And I, f- I feel kind of bad. Don't feel bad because I, I like, told her not to yeah, do yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. She'd been she told numerous it. times not to touch it, to try to touch the turntable. And she kept reaching over trying to touch it. And I just cut out the music. I got on the mic and I said, Trying to touch the turntables at the party makes you look like an asshole. <laughs> and everybody at the party looked at her like, What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> but so, all right. So you went from this, this high energy, just crazy, raucous. Yeah, yeah. Top 40 night to just the smooth, sexy sounds of Bar Luke. Yeah, but at Bar Luke's, and like, I mean, you'll go there. Yeah, and it was like a really small, cool spot that uh, wasn't designed to be packed out. Like, you don't go to an upscale martini bar and hope to wait in line or hope that yeah. it's packed. You go there because it's like, you know, you want to have a little bit of a buzz and like a little bit of energy to it, but you don't. You know, if that bar has a line in it, they're doing it wrong. There's a level of exclusivity. Like, like it's almost like it's a you're, premium experience. You're paying yeah. for the premium experience, right? Exactly. And, and not everybody can pay for that, which makes it even more premium. Yeah, if you're buying like ten or fifteen dollar martinis or something all night, you probably, you know, you you have different set of expectations. You don't want to turn around with your martinis, hold them over your head, and like. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's different than going to the bar that has dollar Coronas from nine to eleven or something. Yeah. You know, um, and so yeah, so I was doing that. And then I was I basically stopped doing like the straight up top forty spot, and then I was doing this other place called Hush, which was still kind of top forty oriented, but the owner was like a thirty something dude, and he wanted to appeal to thirty somethings rather than just like the brand new flavor of the month stuff. So, you know, it was still a little bit more upscale too. So I was doing both of those, and then this place Hush, I was there Thursdays and Fridays, and then I was at, at Bar Luke's on Wednesdays and Saturdays, and at Hush. It was like this, it was weird. It was this winter that Denver had. And, and if you know about Denver, like, yeah, it snows here, but like we have really mild winters for the most part. Like it could be 60 degrees in December or January. Yeah. And it's not really that crazy of a thing or at least 50 and sunny. And uh, it was funny because we had this one weird winter where it just snowed a ton. And for whatever reason, the snow never melted. And, you know, winter is not the most cracking season for the clubs anyway. And, you know, weekdays are harder than weekends. 
And so my Thursday at this place, Hush, went from being like a really solid night to being kind of slow. And especially with the weather, like it was like a weird coincidence, but it was like snowing almost every Thursday for like a month straight. And then like the Friday night was still solid. And they one day they they got a new manager and the manager was like, hey, do you, you know, if you have any ideas, let us know. We're trying to get Thursdays back going. And before I could even suggest anything to him, uh, I met with him. or I think maybe I had had my gig uh, the next week. And afterwards, he was like, hey, we're going to start an 80s night on Thursday. And we really love you. And we still want you to do our Friday night. But we want to have this 80s dude and his DJ come in on Thursdays. And I took a real personal, you know, at the mm, time, especially yeah. I was like, damn, you tell me I do a good job. You ask for my ideas. And then the next day you're like, oh, well, actually, we're going to go do something else. But we still want you to be here. Like, right, Almost like they just they, they're like giving you a conversation to make you feel better. But yeah. It's they like already a, had knew it in mind what they were going to do. It's like a pat on the back. And like, you know, it was a place and I still have a really good relationship with some of the people from there and, and always have. And it's it wasn't any issues like that. But it was just like. Man, like, it's, it's like a really underappreciated feeling. Meanwhile, I'm like having more fulfilling gigs other places anyway. So I was like, fuck this. I was like, I'm going to quit. I want to start my own party. Um, and it was funny because I was... The revenge, the revenge. Yeah, party. yeah. No, it's true. And <laughs> I'm it's, coming back. And it was funny because uh, like Sound Supreme and me were kicking it super heavy. He was like probably my best DJ homie at the time. And he was also the guy that was my go-to to like have fill in for me if I couldn't do the spot. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, I I'm gonna leave and the first guy they're gonna call is Sound Supreme and I'm taking him with me. <laughs> <laughs> Who's coming with me? So Who's it was coming with me. It was crazy. So uh I uh basically what ended up happening was I go in, it's my last Friday night and I know it and I'm like this was still vinyl era, the very end of vinyl era, and I was like, I'm just gonna fucking murder it. I'm like, I'm going to go out on a high note. Yeah, yeah, These yeah. These people yeah. are going to feel it that I left, like, very <laughs> vengeful, like, young 20-something. And so I went in, and it was hilarious because I'm in there, like, playing my heart out. Oh, yeah. So I'm in there playing my heart out, and the manager comes up at, like, 1030, and he's like, man, you're killing it tonight. I don't know what got into you, but this is one of the best nights <laughs> I've ever seen you rock. And I'm just sitting in my head like, you motherfucker, wait till the end of the night. You'll know. You'll know what's about to happen and why I'm killing it like this. Because, you know, like, when you're doing a spot weekly, you don't play all your jams every week because you right. got to ration them out because, like, you don't ever want to be that DJ that's going to play the same shit every week. So, like, you know, you don't go all out every week at the weekly. You go all out at, like, a one-off or something. So I was just like, fuck it. It's my last night. I'm throwing everything out there, you know, just mega mixing, just going crazy. <laughs> like, these motherfuckers are going to remember my name. <laughs> and then in the, the night I quit. You know, everybody was super stoked. It was like a great Friday, and I was just like, I'm out. Sorry, but, like, you guys funny style me with the Thursday. I'm going to go start my own party on Friday. Swag. It was, like, <laughs> it was like the end of it was like the end of December. I was like, I'm going to take a month off. I'd already lined up everything to go do our own shit with this guy um, who I had done some other work with who uh, I, you know, he was like a music first dude. He was from a house background. Uh, Shouts to Phil Galavis, but he, like, really like believed in in what we were doing and and trusted me enough to make some cool shit happen and so um yeah so when that happened like uh we started it up and it started the first week of february 2007 and it was me and sound supreme we did an after party for our first friday event at this really cool spot that was called the 400 at the time that was right by the venue and the first one was a fucking smash um you know, especially by the metrics of that time. I mean, it wasn't like as crazy as things are now, but it was really good. 
And then the first couple were really good. The third one actually was a Dilla tribute. It was right after Dilla died. It was like the one year anniversary after his death and Stone Soul was putting out Rough Draft and I knew this dude. You know Havana Joe? We yeah, got yeah, the drink. Yeah. Shouts to Havana what Joe. Havana Joe? I still see him bumping him around. I haven't seen him in a minute, He's but I'm bumping to him a lot. Amazing music connector. Yeah. Um, but he was working with Stone Throw, and so we did like the official Rough Draft release and a Dilla tribute. And like we had like the cassette tape early of Rough Draft. Like we did it right. We had like the box set as a giveaway. We had uh like the, they made these rough draft plastic cups. And like you know, we just did it I up. Re- I Free donuts. No, you weren't at the first no, one. No, I, I remember the. But, oh yeah, the yeah, stuff yeah. They okay. For, yeah. Yeah, and so we did it up, and like you know, once again by then I'd like I had been a DJ for you know for a living for f- five years, and yeah, you know, five years kind of goes by quick, but also five years a lot of connections can be built. Um, Especially when it's like something you're doing as a full time thing every day. Like exactly. Part, like, and it's like eating, living, and bre- eating, sleeping, and breathing it. You know? Yeah. And if you're on like an island like Denver, there's not a ton of people necessarily trying to do things at, an, at a, like a more nationally oriented level. You know, like one of the things about Denver being such an island is people, I don't think, only recently have people started to really think big. Like what I think has made me really successful compared to a lot of other people who try to do similar stuff is like, I don't think I'm competing with people in my town. I'm trying to do shit that's like nationally good that like, right. You can come from New York, or or Revolution can come from LA, and they'll be stoked. Yeah, yeah. I don't want the party that's good for Denver. I want the party that's good for anywhere. Because at the end of the day, like the internet makes it so that like a clip of DJ Revolution spinning your party could could go viral. I guess. I mean, I don't even that. I don't think of it like that. I don't think of it in like a calculated way. I just. I'm not saying calculated. I'm saying yeah, yeah. In terms, in terms of basically, what I'm saying is that you have eyeballs from the world on whatever you're doing. If a person chooses to research, I mean, that never crossed my mind. It was just like, like, we just want to do the best shit we could. Like, we started the solution to be the kind of party we wanted to go to. Like, that's why it's called the solution. And and being the kind of party we want to go to, like. We don't want to go to a party that's good for Denver. We want to go to a party that's good for anywhere. So, so in your in your uh, in your your infancy, yeah, yeah. Like, how did people just follow? Did people just follow you to your party? Like, how were you getting out the work? I know you were oh, yeah. flyering and shit. Like, how did yeah, you yeah. build uh, the following? Any way possible. And like the first ones were all really good. You but were then standing outside. There was a lot looks. of ups. There was a lot of standing outside bar looks with a t-shirt on the side. Yeah. <laughs> Come to my party. <laughs> nah, nah. But I'm I mean, no longer here. Come to my party. But yeah, like you would know the people from your other gigs who were like the most into the different music you would play. Like the most, the people that would like come out early and want to hear the random shit you would play at 10:30 or something. Or like the people that would get excited when you slip in something dope later. Yeah. You would you would tell those people like, uh, not the mere sound supreme or heartthrobs or anything, but there's always a couple girls who were like jocking the DJs. Always a couple. And so we would be like, hey, you should come check us at this night, and they just you know hoping that we were interested. I think would come. Sidebar: I don't want to linger too long on this because I don't want to linger too long on it, but. It's, it's important to have a couple of people that, that like you <laughs> around whatever whatever you're doing. You know what I'm saying? It's important. Yes. Uh, I gotta feel like they can fly close to the sun. You know what I'm saying? I, I would never describe it like that. But yeah, <laughs> um, it, it it's just good. Like, you know, people that are enthusiastic and when you're starting a party, whatever you can do to get girls out to it who will dance to the music that you want to play Because dudes don't want to play where the girls aren't. The way that it works... And my understanding of things is almost no guys go out to dance. Maybe B-boys, but that's not really who you want. Yeah. Uh, they go, they, no offense they, to B-boys, but that's not really who you want at your party. Like, you don't not want them, but, like, if everybody's, if there's people breakdancing in a circle, then it, everyone is partying, not really partying, they're watching the B-boys. Right. Like, that's cool early at your party, but, like, I don't, 
once again, no offense to any b-boys that might be listening, but like, I don't want a packed club of everybody watching a b-boy circle at one o'clock. I want people dancing like. Maybe somebody could could have sex after with the female. Yeah, because the other thing, <laughs> the other thing about the b boys, like I used to be boy a little bit, but the other thing about the b boys is that um, when you are in the circle, you're it's pretty much just one person dancing. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. Do you want to trade? One person do you want to have one person that's really good at dancing, or everybody that's mediocre at dancing? I would rather have the mediocre. Yeah, I'd rather have know? a pack full of people like awkwardly humping or doing some goofy ass <laughs> high school dance shit. Then everybody watching some dude just like murder the dance floor. Like, there's a time and a place for that, but like, especially at a small venue, you just it just doesn't make sense. Um, and the other tricky thing about b boys is is they're awesome, but like, they usually want to get them free. They don't want to pay for drinks, and because they're not usually drinking. Because like, if you're gonna be doing head spins, you're not gonna get hammered. Right. Like you're gonna you're gonna drink water, and like that's cool, but like that can't you can't sustain a party off of people who don't want to pay cover and are gonna drink water. <laughs> that's, that's pretty much I'm, I'm coming for the full free experience yeah <laughs> it's like it's like exercise class and they provide value like it's really cool and especially if it's like really early in a big place and there's not that many people there yet it's awesome to have b-boys there and it's like you know in a b-boy event it's a great thing like I'm definitely not trying to knock b-boy culture but like yeah like if when you're when you get designated as like a keep it real party, even if you're not trying to keep it that real, sometimes that's a weird little complication that can occur. Yeah, yeah. Because they, they, I mean, like I would, I would assume they're looking for somewhere to, to converge and DJ. You know what I'm saying? Congregate and be like, I mean, not uh, b-boy. Like, yo, we yeah, just yeah. go down to this spot and like we're all like rally up there and dance or whatever. Yeah, and like you probably as a b-boy, you don't probably only want to go to b-boy events, and like you probably yeah. want to meet some people outside the b-boy community or whatever. Um, and it's like once again, it's really cool early, but like. It's also is really tricky, like, when you're a DJ and the spot's packed and there's a little tiny b-boy circle and everybody's watching the b-boy, maybe it's cool at first, but at a certain point it's like, yo, like, other people, it kind of monopolizes the dance floor, I guess, and it's a, it's a community experience at a party, you know? That that was very, uh, your business degree is really sneaking out right I'm, now. I'm trying to be, I'm, I'm running for hip-hop mayor. Mogul-minded. Hip-hop mayor 2016. <laughs> Take 
So let, let's get into the dark Loki days. Okay. Was there ever a moment where you were like, I don't think we can keep doing Solution. It might have to stop. Like, was there, did Solution ever hit that point where it it either wasn't sustainable or you just felt like it it wasn't performing and you might have to abandon it a little bit? You know what I'm saying? Um, I always have had faith in the party. I've always had a lot of faith in the Solution because um, we had enough success early and... You know, I had some other stuff that I didn't mention and yet that it kind of failed, but so I was. I was gonna say, like, what would you attribute to like the, those leaner days in a sense? My when people ask me, because a lot of other kind of DJ homies will ask me, they'll be like, "Man, do you have like a lot?" It's funny because a lot of times people think I am a more productive person, and that's why I've been able to be successful in what I do. Spend three days with this guy, <laughs> <laughs> not not three work days, three off days. I mean, you're gonna eat good. You 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 guys come here and kill my whole productivity. Uh, if you guys were always here, I would not even have a job anymore. But um, but nah, I always I always attribute it to ignorant determination. That's that's my ignorant determination. Ignorant determination is my secret to success, and just believing in some shit. Like I've always had enough faith to know, like to like trust my ear, feel like I could walk the line enough between like stuff that I like and stuff that the crowd will like. And, like, it takes a while to, like, really find your identity and, like, build that up and, like, learn how to manipulate the crowd or, you know, work with the manipulate sounds kind of devious, I guess. But to, like, work with the crowd, like, you know, there's a lot of psychology. To the crowd, like yeah, there's a lot of psychology in DJing and there's a lot of learning about the music and, like, how the music affects people. And, like, um, you know, it's DJing is funny. It's something that could be... It's like cooking. It's something that could be really simple or really complicated and has a lot of levels to it if you really look deep. You know what I mean? Like, if you just look at it as, like, hey, you're just going to run through some bangers and people are going to dance, like, there's a lot of DJs that do that, and there's a lot of, you know, that's, like, DJing 101, and that's has a place, I guess, you know, in a lot of, like, just generic bars. But, like, when you want to have a career or you want to, like, establish something that you'll feel comfortable doing 10 or 20 years down the line, you probably don't want to just be the guy who runs down bangers, like... I don't want to be the dude who, you know, is is has a head full of gray hair and is just copying whatever's on the charts and playing a bunch of music I don't like. Like, at a certain point, like, I looked at it, and not that I'm even that old in the grand scheme of life, but, like, you look at it and you're like, man, do I really want to, like, grow old as a DJ just trying to keep up with what the average 21-year-old wants to hear? Right, right. And, like, that's not to say that I only want to play old music. Like, if you know me as a DJ, like, I'm always trying to play different shit and new shit. But it's only shit that I believe in, and there's no real feeling of like, oh, I have to play this to stay relevant, or I have to do this or that to stay relevant. And what ends up happening because of that is you're more relevant because you're doing something that's different that connects with people. Like, if you do something that everybody's doing, like, yeah, maybe it's temporarily relevant, but like, like copying is the, is the, it's, it just lowers the bar for everybody. And you want to be... Like, especially now that everybody has access to the same music, basically, it's like, do you want to be the same guy who's, you know, do you want to be like a fast food burger chain or do you want to be like the, the dope spot that people like seek out and wait an hour for? Yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah, you can make a lot of money if you're McDonald's. Like, there's nothing wrong with that model even. Like, that serves a purpose. But like, especially like, think about it like this. If you were the chef at McDonald's, it would be really shitty to be making McDonald's food for 20 years versus if you're the chef at your own restaurant. Right. So so with that said, you've went from having the solution, which is one party, to having solution and goodness. Yeah. And like, like, how did you, I mean, like, how do you, it's more or less like you identified, you identified something, a, another need in the community, I guess. But. No, no. 
No, not all right. at all. Clarify, clarify. I. So here's the thing. So when you when you make a party that has music that people like that's different, they they feel a really certain good way and they connect to it and it's amazing. And I've been that for other parties. Uh, but ultimately, it's motivated by selfishness. It's. I want to throw the kind of party that I want to go to. I want to play the shit that and I, I want to play the shit that yeah. I like, and I want to I want to do the shit that I think is cool, and like, you know, not self. You know, selfishness is usually something that has a real negative connotation in a very you know, with good reason, but like that's not like there's some stuff that's selfishly motivated that's good. You know what I mean? Like a lot of good art is selfishly motivated. Yeah. You know what I mean? When you listen to the Kanye album. And something like that, or like Drake album. The Drake album is selfish as fuck. You know, like Drake and Kanye are two of the most selfish musicians that you've ever heard. But like in an artistic sense, it works because they're so uncompromising. Like maybe not Drake. He's very compromising on his vision. <laughs> Kanye is so uncompromising on his vision. Kanye gives you what you need. It may not be what you want. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like he has a certain selfishness to his music. And because of that, he's always relevant. You know what I mean? Because right. he's never following, or even if he's following, he's following so quick that most people don't realize it. Like, that selfishness makes him relevant. You know what I mean? Like, the solution is, Im- Im- I don't want to say important, but the solution, people give a shit about it because we were so selfish to make the shit that we wanted instead of settling for the shit that was there. Right. So, and like so, and it's our solution. Like as DJs, me and Sound Supreme, and now Lazy Eyes, who I do the party with, like it's what we want a party to be like. It's not. Thanks for going out of town so I could come hang out. Man. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it, it's it's not like my dog, how do we pander the most with the party? Like if I was trying to do things, maybe for the community, maybe there'd be like a lot more DJs who come through that maybe aren't that good. I see because I was doing yeah. it for the community, or maybe it'd be you know. And I'm not saying that, like, we don't like to do stuff for the community. Like, we've worked with, like, some different people for, like, all different sorts of fundraisers. And, like, well, it's, we, it's, it's awesome to be able to put people on. But, like, if you're only doing it for that, your shit's probably not going to last very long. But the other thing, too, is, like, without without it being community-minded, it's very much for the community. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you, yeah. You, you built something that they did not know that they wanted. Yeah. Well, like, the, you know nat- what I'm like the nature of what we do kind of benefits the community. Because, right. like, if there's a dope local artist... We'll play their song because it's good and we like it, and and so that's us just wanting to play the music we like, but also it you know it indirectly benefits the community because now a packed room is getting exposed to Carl Carell yeah. or to Mr. Freedom or to the Food Chain or to Blackhearts you know who's no longer around but a great crew, but like yeah that's the thing is like that's not motivated from us feeling obligated to the community. We do that shit because it's what we believe in. Right. And, like, it comes from a very pure place, um, which is also kind of why it's selfish. Because yeah, we're doing what we believe in. It, but because we don't it, pander, people appreciate that more. Like, if you were doing something that was that was more negative, it would be awful. But, you know what I'm saying? The selfishness in this in this sense. It works. It yeah. Works, yeah. Exactly. And it, you know, once again, just like how when Kanye gets mad emo on 808s and Heartbreaks, people relate that to their own life and there's a really positive thing that can come of that. You know, ultimately, he's not making that record like, yo, let me show my pain so that I can make people feel better. Right. I don't really think that's Kanye's artistic process. Yeah, yeah. You know, maybe that's Kendrick's artistic process. I don't think that's Kanye's. But, um, yeah, but the results of it, because it comes from a pure good place, you know, it's not that he's trying to do anything negative with that. He's just doing his shit. And, like, he does his shit at a high standard. He believes in it. He does it with ignorant determination, 
and he does it, you know, throughout the ups and downs, and the results, they accumulate into something that's really special. And it's not to say that we're doing, <laughs> obviously, nothing of that level, but it's the same thing. Like, you do this shit long enough that you believe in, and, and people are drawn to that, um, just like I'm drawn to that. Like, if I go to, once again, like, some of my favorite party experiences are going to shit that's completely outside my lane, that's people doing some weird shit that's not my scene, but you could just tell, like, it's so genuine and it's such a real thing. And just like those parties, I don't think those parties are started by people who are like, man, you know, it would be really great if there was more of a place for progressive indie dance community in Denver. It's just more like, hey, we want to do some shit we like and we'll make it right. fun. And, you know, it comes from a pure place, but it's still selfish, but in a, not in a bad yeah. way. But so... Touching on some of the artists you like, artists and DJs you brought through. Who all have you like? Some names of people who've some of your favorite. Some of your. I mean, you you have it's, like it's been a lot, man. Because um, I mean, it, it might that might be too too broad of a because you've brought a lot of people through Denver. Just yeah, I mean that, and that's something I take a lot capacity. of pride in. Like you know, not necessarily just with like the parties, but with different shows. Like we did an offshoot of the Solution called the Solution Showcase, which was live performance oriented and like. I've been able to bring a lot of artists to Denver for the first time or for, like, their first proper show. Um, and, man, I take a lot of pride in that. Like, once again, it comes from a place of just, like, wanting to do the shit we believe in. And it's like, I, if something's dope, I don't need someone to tell me that it's dope to, to make something happen. What's one of your favorite first exposing someone to Denver? I mean, my favorite one right now to kind of brag on is, is Anderson Pack last year. Okay. Like, last March. Like, it was before, like, any of the Dre shit happened. And I had to fight really hard to make it happen for a Red Bull Sound Select show I was curating and like putting the show together. I, I it was him and Toki Monster co-headlining, and uh, fuck it, I'll say it. She was a nightmare to deal with, <laughs> and she wasn't even Exclusive the re- headline. Yeah, <laughs> low um, key drags Toki Monster. No, but I mean, it I'm, was, I'm joking. I'm it was joking. just really difficult to work with her, and it was funny because like my motivation for bringing her was to get Anderson Pack out because he was featured on her single at the time, that the song Reela, which is an unbelievably great song. And, like, I'd known about his music for years. Like, the homie Tehran uh, put me on to him in 2012. And uh, I look back, it was funny, I look back, there's a tweet where I was like, Anderson Pack is my 2012 Rookie of the Year. <laughs> and it's so funny because, like, he's everybody else's 2016 Rookie of the yeah, Year. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I was like, you know, uh, I got fought really hard for that show. He came on and he just stole the show. Like, he electrified the whole crowd. and like. So his performance was... Was as crazy as it oh, has been. Oh, he's one of the best live performers in music right now. I mean, he's playing the drums and singing and rapping and dancing. And he's very charismatic, and the quality of the material is unbelievable. This and was last year, you said, right? Yeah, yeah. So this wasn't Breezy Lovejoy. No, was no, crazy. it was Anderson Pack. Um, but you know, he had uh, Venice was out. Okay. You know, Malibu's his new one. Venice was out, and like Venice was my favorite album of 2015. Like basically, that and the D'Angelo record were my favorite albums of 2015, and so. You know, I was curating these Red Bull Sound Select shows, and I was like, I got to figure out a way. In fact, I actually tried to bring him out the even before Vintage dropped. I tried to bring him out that summer, and it was crazy because uh, I got his number from the big homie House Shoes. Shouts to Shoes. Shoes! And I'm sure he'll love all of our Drake conversation. <laughs> and <laughs> I'll be like, is that the same low-key whose house I stay at when I go to Colorado? Just, just, just skip the first 15 minutes, Nah, shoes. nah, Shoes knows that we don't always see eye to eye. That's, that's part of the luck. <laughs> like, that's the beauty of friendship. Part you of, know what I'm yeah, part of House Shoes is, is you're not going to see eye to eye with him on some things, and, yeah. and that's part of the fun. Um, oh, I lost my old train of thought. Oh, I got the number from, yeah, I got his number, and I called him up, and I worked out all the details with him over the phone. Uh, actually, it was funny. It was, I was visiting my dad in Atlanta, 
and I like my dad was running some errands and I was just in the car while he was running some errands like talking to Anderson like hey how about you come to Denver <laughs> <laughs> the coolest man in Atlanta by the way I love your dad my dad's an awesome dad's dude awesome. Donald's yeah, nickname for him is the white Denzel white chocolate Denzel Dadzel <laughs> Dadzel <laughs> But he's yeah, so cool. he's an amazing dude. Uh, you know, Why don't you bring him through parents. the pool? You know what I'm saying? Just he needs to come thing. host. He needs to come he host. He needs to come birthday. host, man. He got to come host. Yeah. Dude, he got to do his son a solid. He, he, he loves Toddy Morgan. <laughs> he always he asks about you guys all the time. Yeah, I, I love you. I love you. Your whole family, man. Cool yeah. family. You know what nah, I mean? I, I, man, I'm really lucky. Um, that's a whole nother. No one want to hear me be all cheesy about how great my family is, but shouts to Dadzell. Shouts Who'll to probably Dad maybe Zell. even listen to this. <laughs> 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 we'll see. He's a busy guy. But um, so anyways, so I worked it out, and uh, then his manager ended up mixing that. His manager, he was like, "Let me just double check with my manager." And once this was 2014, and his manager hit me up, be like, "Hey, we're about to go on tour with, uh, what's the guy's name? He's kind of a nerd rapper that that he produced the album for. Uh, I forget the dude's name, but Anderson Pack basically produced Anderson Pack produced the album for somebody. Yeah, he produced a whole album for really? this nerd rapper who's really big. Uh, I feel awful that I can't think of the guy's name right now. But yeah, so he was going to be out here with him in a couple months, and the manager was like, hey, how about you just do like an after party for that? And I'm like, no, that doesn't work, but yeah. we'll figure something out. So and fine, you know, so I'd, it took a long time, but I really believed in, in Anderson's music and, and, you know, what he could do. And it's really been really cool, like the last year, you know, s- like after fighting for all that and like ranting about how great he was when no one was listening for so long, it's been pretty cool to watch like, you know, the reaction to that show, which was people like raving, you know, going to see Toki Monster going because I had told them that it was some shit they should check and like leaving raving about that to like the Dre co-sign to like, you know, all the success that he's had since then. And, uh, you know, like just being down at South by, I mean, he was easily to talk of South by. And it's funny because he even mentioned it like he's been going down there for a couple of years and no one gave a shit. And like I he's been him. that good. He didn't like just turn good overnight. This dude has been that good since 2012. It's just I, funny how it works. I think I saw him at the uh, Stone Stone Showcase that one time. Yeah, we saw him the first No yeah. Worries show. We saw yeah. the... Yeah, I mean, they performed, like, the whole album, and that shit's still not out. Yeah. Um, I mean, this dude is sitting on crazy material. Like, I know a lot of stuff on his new record was from, from 2012, that like, record years is, ago. That record is amazing. Album record of the year, I think, so far. When I got surgery on my thumb, I made the surgeon play it. Nice, that's awesome. <laughs> he was like, what do you want to hear? I was like, you ever heard of Anderson Pack? <laughs> so he's like, he's, like, literally slicing over my thumb, like, mm-hmm. yo, what is this? This is really good. I was like, yeah, yeah exactly. Could you turn it off now, play some trial, because I'm nervous and I need some comfort music. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> I need something good. I can, like, sing the words to yeah, in my yeah, head. That's because funny. this dude is like... Hanging out with his homeboys in the surgery room, talking. You know, uh, it, was just, it was strange, but yeah, yeah. randomness. Uh, but yeah, but I mean, a lot of different people. Like, uh, I wasn't the one who booked it, but I pushed real hard uh, for that first, you know, and helped make that Lupe show that you guys came out for yeah. the first time to Denver happen. When Lupe lost his luggage and just went to Foot Locker and got his own shoes, yeah, which was amazing. Watching him try to like ollie over two stairs and struggle, <laughs> kick push. Uh, and then he was like, "We were like, so what are you doing after the show? Oh, you know, I'm going to studio. Me and uh, Jill." Jill right. Scott, yo, that's what's up. All right, man. Yeah, that was that was before that album came out. Kick Push had just come out. Yeah. I randomly DJed for him at that. That was crazy. Ilias rolled the limo with him and yeah. shit. It's crazy because I didn't DJ for y'all at that show. That's the only Tiny Morgan show I didn't DJ at that I've been at, but I DJ for Lupe. <laughs> Sold us out. Uh, Sold us no, out. No, no, you had K- Dominic was the DJ. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What up, Dom? What DJ Quidom? Is that what he? Quidom. DJ, DJ Quidom. Shout out to Dominic <laughs> Dom Vinny. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, that, that was, was awesome that was time. Crazy. That was crazy. Yeah, who knew it would it would end up being all this shit? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, adventures in Boulder. The funniest part of that show with 
with you guys and Lupe was uh, it was like a school organization that made the show happen, like this mentorship program. And they were supposed to bus in all these kids for the show, but they yeah. fucked up booking the buses. And so there was like 50 people at the show, and they weren't even supposed to be able to get into the show. It was just people that had heard about it on Basementalism, on like the radio show we had plugged it, and just like our friends. So it was like you guys and Lupe <laughs> performing in this amazing outdoor courtyard, and there was like hundreds of kids that were supposed to be there that never got bussed in. Yeah, that, that, was, that was probably... It was a fun show. It was a fun yeah. show still, though. It was, no, it was a great time. And remember we... Uh, we almost crashed the stage at the Fox Theater that night. They announced yeah. it. Like, randomly, I was able to use my connections to almost get uh, Tanya Morgan to basically, like, crash an almost sold-out show at the uh, at the Fox Theater in Boulder. I remember that. I like, remember that. But, um, it was about to end. Yeah, with 303, 303 before 303 blew up. I didn't even know who 303 was at the time. And it was funny because, like, there was a guy I knew who was opening. And so we go in, and, like, it was, like, some hip-hop shit. And so I talked to another dude I knew at the venue, and they're like, yeah, we probably have enough time. We can add them in for a quick set. And I was like, oh, this is amazing. I get to put these dudes on, and we're going to, like, kill it. I thought we were going to do it, too. Because the other show was so weird because they didn't bust in the kids. I was like, because yeah. I was in the afternoon, and I was like, oh, this is, man, this is the coolest thing I've ever made happen. So we, like, go outside, get all the music ready, come back in, and, like, 303 is playing. And it's like some weird, like it was this. I, I forget. They were like what sword were fighting doing. on stage. Yeah, that, they it had like, like, it was like theater. Yeah, they like had like theater. swords wrapped up in tape. They had like those like little kids make those little swords wrapped in duct tape, yeah, and yeah. we're like sword fighting on stage. And we're like, what? What did we just sign up for? <laughs> and so then they get off stage, and everybody's going crazy, and they they announce Tiny Morgan, and then the lights go on, and the venue. No one communicated to the venue, yeah. like. Like one of the people knew, but not the rest of the production crew from the venue. So like the lights guy had no idea. Yeah, so like seventy five or eighty percent of the people there had no clue what was going on, and the lights come on, and it just ended. And I was like, never mind. (laughs) (laughs) But so speaking of DJing for Tanya Morgan, have you ever? This is a fun question. Have you ever like been a DJ in a group? Like like was there ever like a a local rap group? Was like no no. A lot of times people have tried to get me to do that, but it's I. A couple, for a couple reasons, like, A, it's really tricky because I'm a professional DJ and I can't just stop doing my own shit yeah. for other people's shit, especially when they're doing gigs that don't really pay that much. Like, I hate to say it, and it's like, it's not about the money, but like, it's, it's, when like a local group is getting 50 or 100 bucks open for a show and you're having to miss a gig that's how you're paying certain bills, uh, it just, it doesn't add up. And, you know, the other thing is, is there hasn't been, like, that group in Colorado that it was, like, the right place in timing. Like, there's been people who've asked me to DJ, and, like, I've DJed shows for a lot of people. But, like, there's there hasn't been, like, you know, maybe if Tiny Morgan was, like, a Colorado group, it would have been, like, oh, yeah, like, we'll get down, and it'll be doing all this shit all the time. But, like, in Colorado, it just hasn't been that moment where it's, like, oh, yeah, I need to be these people's DJ or this guy's DJ right, or right, something. Right. Um, which, you know, it's, it's cool. Like, it's weird because, like, I have this weird relationship with a lot of artists here where, like, I've been a big supporter of them, even though I've never been, like, part of their group or, like, their DJ or something. But maybe I'm one of the dudes who's, like, shown them the most love or, like, booked them the coolest gigs or something outside of, like, their, you know, their immediate circle. Like Which is great. Lot. It's cool to be that that yeah. guy. You do a lot other than just play records. So, like, you're, you're kind of, like, an indispensable, like, um, resource for a lot of shit. You know I, what I'm saying? I would, yeah. I would. I don't ever like to think of those kind of terms. I, you know. I I just do the shit I believe in, man. Like it's you know, and if I believe in artists, I help them, and 
you know, it sucks. Like, there's some artists who I'm friends with, but I don't, like, love their music like that. I mean, it creates some awkward situations because, you know. Friends aren't always fans. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, that's just how it goes. Yeah, it just it creates Sounds a lot of weird lot situations. Of <laughs> well, that's weird, too. Like, yeah, like, people will come to the party. There's people that come to the party all the time, and then I think some people probably over the years have got salty. Like, we never played their music, even though they come to the party. But, like, if the music's not made for a party scenario, especially, like, right. what? You know, and it's like the whole reason that people, you know, trust us enough uh, to to take our word about like come see this guy Anderson Pack you never heard of or fuck with Tony Morgan or whatever is like because we don't steer them wrong and we don't just do shit to do it like we only do the shit we believe in and, and so it creates that sense of trust. So, and I, I don't know how long we've been going, but I think we should wrap up soon. Yeah, yeah. So a couple more questions. Question number one. What do you have planned out for the like? What, what's 2016 looking like for? Do you have any like? You don't have to give. Like, I got some top secret plans yeah, that you know of. We don't want those. Yeah, yeah, those aren't getting like, announced. But uh, like yeah, yeah. Now I got some really cool you stuff. Got in anybody the down the line you looking forward to booking, bringing out? That uh, you can spill the beans on. <laughs> you know what? It's really weird. I feel like I have to be more cautious of that because I've I've seen. Like it's weird because here's the thing: like when you live in a city and you do stuff for a long time. You don't ever want to be the dude who assumes mad people are biting you or copying or whatever. But, like, right, yeah. I've blatantly seen some people copying and doing some of the shit. So, like, I don't necessarily think that people are going to, like, listen to this and be like, oh, I'm going to book all these acts before low-key. But I have my little list, and I'm you not, gotta, like... You got to protect your shit, you know? Yeah, but, I mean, like, I, I got a lot of different acts I want to bring. Like, we're bringing back the, the spinoff of The Party of the Solution that's called The Solution Showcase that's, like, live show-oriented uh, where we feature different local acts, local producers, and then out-of-town acts. And, like, over the years, like, that was the first time I brought out Tehran and Aomari. That was the first time I brought out Spree Wilson. Uh, brought what up, Spree? Add to. What up, Add? Um, you guys. You brought out all my friends. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, a lot of really dope cats who have never been to Denver before. Um, you know, but, uh, yeah, beyond that, I mean, like, you know, I want to still be throwing those shows. You know, we have the Legendary mixtape is about to drop before the Legendary album. I'm super excited about that. Yeah. Like, that's been something that's literally been on, like, not, not on like a to-do list because no one was asking me to make one but there was definitely the part of me that's always been like if if I don't make a legendary mixtape and these motherfuckers get somebody else I'm going to be really salty so I need to make sure I do it at some point well the president of legendary records just texted me a while ago and asked what's up with the mixtape because yeah. I'm out here there you, you go. know who I'm talking about right yeah yeah Germicide Germ, yeah yeah <laughs> aka the only like Germicide is the reason why this shit is happening at this point big so up Germ big up Germicide man like, um, yeah. hey you know what we should talk about actually real quick uh, while we're talking about mixtapes, because it's probably way more interesting for people to know that they could download some mixtapes on my website yeah. than it is to know about a bunch of parties that they might not ever go to. Um, so, like, if you go to my... Like, if you fuck with Don Will and the Legendary Crew, you can go on my website, and there is... DJLowKey.com, right? DJLowKey.com. Yeah. Um, and there's, like, 15 different mixtapes you could download. L-O-W-K-E-Y. There we go. Yeah. Yeah, DJ. That's like how many mixtapes? It's like 15 you could download at least. That's a, lot um, of good, that's a lot of good free music. But it's like, yeah, it's not just like do it to do a mixtapes. Like there's a lot of stuff where it's like collaborations. Um, you know, there's the Ill Will tape, which is is you, Don Will, and Ilias. Yep. Ill and Will. Um, you just, you just dropped one too though, right? Like yeah, one. but I don't even push that one. That, okay, all right. That was right. a little, I mean, I, I put out this cool little, uh, like after a breakup, I put out this cool little mixtape that was uh inspired by Don Don Will Laura song a little bit. Brothers uh, and Heartbreak, man. Brothers and Yeah, heartbreak. you know, we all go through it. Heartbreaks and changes. Yeah. But um but no, it uh 
I mean, it was a cool mixtape. I mix tried, would you? <laughs> Get high, would you? That was more. <laughs> yeah. But no, but uh, but yeah. Anyways, uh, like that was a cool R&B mixtape I did, and like uh, I enjoyed it. It was just something. It was one of those weird moments where like it's really funny. I'll say this: like when I first started DJing, be like, oh, I'm gonna make mixtapes for girls I like. And then, like, after a while being DJ, all these girls ask you for mixtapes, and you're like, I don't want to make any mixtapes for any <laughs> girls. Like, even the ones I do, like, like yeah. I mean, there's girls I dated for years that never got a mixtape. Uh, but uh, I just felt particularly motivated. But I'll, I'll, make, sure to, I'll make sure to link yeah. DJLowKey.com. That one is called About You. That's a fun one. Um, it's got all the feels. Uh, it was cool. It was just a good time. Like, it's good to be able to do stuff like that. It's very, like, therapeutic. And it's funny, like, the girl inspired it. I don't even know if she heard it. Um, and at this point, I don't know that I'll ever ask. But more importantly, you should go check it out. Um, there's like Tehran Ketchup. Like if you fuck with the rapper Tehran, it's like kind of his. I think he considers it his debut, even though he had some shit out before that. Um, stuff with Shea Grand, Legendary Fix Tape One and Two are great. Um, I put out a mixtape with the rapper Blue. Um, I have like a De La Soul Rarities mixtape that I did there. That like, you know, in it's a lot of circles, it it found a lot of listeners. Like it was really cool. The DJ Mick Shout out to Mick Formerly Mick Boogie Hit me up a couple times Like geeking out over it Which was a pretty big deal To me especially It's a pretty good tape Um, Yeah like if you're A De La Soul nerd If you listen to Don Will and Tiny Morgan Then you obviously Like De La Soul And if that's the case You should check it out Do you think De La Soul Has heard the tape Or just don't listen To their own shit Uh, One of my homies Gave it to Maceo But it's funny I've DJed a bunch of gigs With Maceo since then And I've never thought To ask him Yeah he's Maceo's cool. Not, Maceo's cool. It's funny because it's not that I'm scared to ask. For whatever reason, I never think to ask. You just don't want to like bust that shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I don't want to bust you that wanna shit. You don't want to bust that shit. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, Mace is awesome. Like it's it's cool that like uh, I wouldn't say we're homies by any means, but I I think he at least recognizes me as a familiar looking dude when I see him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll take that. Like if you know, like I'll take that. I'll take you know, that. not every relationship could be hanging out with DJ Revolution, <laughs> talking about hot sauce and you know. Eating fucking nachos at three in the morning. <laughs> Speaking of food, like since we're wrapping up, man, this dude is one of the best chefs. Like low key will make you some amazing food. I like, do. What, I do all right. So, what's your favorite dish to make? I mean, my specialty is probably Mexican food. It's definitely Mexican food. I mean, like like half the shit I cook at least is Mexican food. I mean, like my enchiladas. What that shit you just the, the braised beef thing that you made? Oh yeah yeah. yeah. Uh, Oh well, the oh the yeah, enchiladas. Yeah. The, my bad. The yeah, enchiladas they were like made, it was yeah. like slow cooked kind of Mexican style beef uh, enchiladas. I have like a really unique way I do the enchiladas. That's that's kind of like dry enchiladas, which is weird. But there's, if you go look, you can go look at my Instagram. There's pictures. Hashtag Shay Low Key. Shay Low Key. Yeah. Everybody got to have some obnoxious, stupid hashtag that they put on some stuff, and that's my. I'm telling you, like the 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 uh, enchiladas you made, they were good when you heated them up the first time. When we got back. And you reheated them. Yeah, yeah. They were fucking better. You that's the magic of enchiladas. <laughs> oh man, that's the magic of a lot of like slow cooked Mexican dishes. Is like you know they reheat better. It's man, I can rant all day long it's about how great site. Mexican food is. But hopefully, it's the best. Hopefully, we'll see down the line, low key, doing something more food related because it's it's like honestly like like DJing is definitely a gift to talent. But I really think you have like. Some food shit in you. I got man. some food shit. You got some food shit. Before like, everything is said and done. Football, here, you want to? Let's do this. I'll make this announcement right now. Before my life is over, knock on wood. Hopefully, hope I'm not cursing myself. Uh, I will be involved in it, a restaurant or two. And beer, 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 beer. It's not just gonna be like beer some do it to do it shit. Like I have some. 
I have some big ideas. I have a lot of really cool things. I've even kind of got the ball rolling on some interesting stuff that's like not owning a restaurant anytime soon, but like just cool stuff I want to make happen. And like my whole DJ career has been about like just doing the shit I believe in and like introducing cool stuff to people. And that ex has, you know, has already started to extend to food with just like different food trucks we've worked with or places where I've done parties. And, um, you know, not that I'm trying to be like Neil Armstrong Jr. On the uh, on the food DJ circuit, but by the same token, like you know, I like food a lot, and it's it's definitely one of my big hobbies is cooking and just eating good food, and introducing people to cool shit is fun. Like as a DJ, and like that's kind of beyond just a DJ. That's like my kind of personality. Like if I can put you onto some cool shit that I like and share that with you, that just makes things better for everybody. Three, three more, three more quick lightning round questions. Right, we, yeah, we yeah. Talk to the sun went down, and I still have to do these drops. Yeah, yeah. We could just do the drops at the end of this podcast, whatever. Of course, but. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, question number one: What is your favorite piece of vinyl that you have? I mean, I'll say this: your most prized possession. I wouldn't say it's my most prized possession, but the ones that hold the most special place in my heart is probably the first three records I bought, even before like the turntables came in the mail. Oh shit! Where were they? Which is Crew the Dirty Thirty, which you is framed, framed in my in bathroom. bathroom. Uh, which is funny because actually, and uh, I hate to keep name dropping Revolution, but it's funny because when he was staying here a couple weeks ago. He was like, you know why I fuck with you? You got a crew album framed in your fucking bathroom. I've never, I've never thought to ask you why that was framed in there. I just thought it was a cool cover. I thought, yeah. like, I didn't it's, know it's an any. awesome cover. It's, but, a, it's a dope cover. But yeah, I love that album. Like, it's a personal classic to me. Crew to Dirty 30. Highly recommend it. Um, but beyond that, that was one of the first records I ever bought. It was that, OC Jewels, which is another amazing, amazing record of that yeah. era. And DJ Rectangle, uh, Battle Weapon Volume 2 which is the blue and yellow one for DJ nerds, which no was like, this that's is. a really big deal to like DJs of a certain age and era. Um, if you know me, you know that I didn't spend as much time with scratch records as I did with other records. Um, you know, not that I don't cut some, but, but my cut game is, is not my strong suit. Right. But, um, but anyways, those three records hold a really special place in my heart. Cause like, those were the ones that I was like sitting on, holding out the hope as the turntables came in the mail. And like, that OC album and that crew album are like personal classics even beyond that to me. All right, next question. You're also a shoe dude. What's your favorite pair of shoes that you have at the moment? I miss you. My all-time favorite. Stab, stab, dunk yeah. dude. Let's, let's, get it, let's get it clarified. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Stab, dunk dude. Yeah. Did you get all the stabs? I don't have all the stabs. There's a couple stabs I don't want. You have a lot of the stabs. He has like stab game is a strong. majority of the stabs. Well, I, mean, right, so. I got some backups even. But yeah, my so, favorite... Uh, Yo, like, fun, fun, when I saw those Jordans in your room, I was like, why does Loki have Jordans? Yeah, yeah. It was so weird. <laughs> it was some ones I had as a kid, and my and my sister got them as a Christmas gift, which was awesome for me. But, but so, uh, uh, which, which, what's, your, what's your favorite shoe right now? My favorite stabs are the first ones I ever got, which were, I don't think they have a special name. There were those ones that were on the cover of Sneaker Freaker. They're, they, they got the cement print. They're maroon. They got the gold swoosh. They got, like, a whole lot going on, but they, it works so about. well. It's like a maroon toe, like it's it's black, it's a, it's a black base with maroon, it's got a gold swoosh, it's got some cement, like an elephant print on the back. I see them in my mind, I'm, I can... I can they're so it. fucking fire, like, it's unbelievable, like, <sighs> they're the epitome of shoes to me. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> they were actually my first stabs, which, you know, probably, like, helps with that fixation. And uh, I just like stabs, because they're, they're a really dope shoe, like... Like, I'm not, like, especially talking to a guy like you, you're, like, a real sneakerhead. I don't even consider my, like, I have, a, like, you probably. You just have a thing. Yeah. You have a fetish. Like, I have shit that I like, but, like, 
I, you have a stamp I've finish. never got into like sneaker culture the way that a lot of people who I consider sneakerheads have. Like I just, for whatever reason, like I would just find shit I like. But I really like stabs because they're like, it's it's a dope shoe that's unique that not everybody fucks with. That like the heads appreciate, but it isn't even like the heads go to. But it's just like it's cool. It's like a good sleeper, really dope shoe, and like they look really unique. They have a lot of really cool colorways. Like it's funny, like when you're around like younger younger shoe heads now, like they don't know what they are. Like there's been times when I'll be around like you know. 19 to 20 year old cats and they're like what the fuck are those those are crazy and they don't even know what it is because <laughs> yeah. it hasn't you know they did that relaunch last year that they kind of blew it super subtle Nike didn't they, they, didn't, they didn't promote it at all yeah. they just did it to do it it was it was fucking wasteful and the colorways most of them suck too they put out some of the worst colorways ever uh, with the little stab revival anyways Air Stabs for Life they're great <laughs> I love them they got the worst name it's short they for did. Air Stability yeah but Air Stab it sounds like a dangerous shoe and the third and final question what would Isaac Hayes sound like singing Fake love, no love. Fake love, no love. See before. <laughs> yo, yo, we got on Vaughn's nerves so. Vaughn was ready to jump out the car. T-Pain Impressions and <laughs> Isaac Hayes covering Nas, it was written, were the two uh, best worst jokes of yeah, that tour. Yeah, yeah, we had, like, the, the joke game is crazy. Like, we, that's, uh, what was that song called? Where uh, you did the T-Pain. Oh, eating on some mumbo. Eating on some mumbo. I'm going to put it, I'm, I'm going to play it. Yeah.
that's one of my favorite songs. Uh, that song is obnoxiously bad. Oh, uh, man. You but say yeah, some that, foul shit on there, too. That shit. <laughs> I, every time I hear that Nas song, fake thug, no love, you get the slug, CB4, Augusto. In my mind, I hear fake thug, no love. <laughs> it's so good. With some, oh, like, s- super dynamic strings and shit. Amazing. All right, so you got to send this to me. Otherwise, it's never going to go Yeah, out. yeah. I'll send it to you. Uh, we can edit out some of the long rambly things. Also, I need to big up So What. So What was the first party. I'm, it's actually a party that I'm part of now. But it was the first party I went to after I turned 21. That's kind of like the OG good music party of Denver. What, shout out to So What. And like going to that was the one where I was like, oh, the light bulb went off. Like, you can have a cool music party and there's people dancing too. You don't have to have, you don't have to trade them. You don't have to have like five people bobbing their heads or hundreds of people dancing to stupid shit. You can actually have kind of both. Um, so yeah, I got to shout out So What. They're a huge inspiration. And uh, man, like, you know, thanks again to, to you and Vaughn and, and Ill and Dom and, uh, you know, you guys being able to link up with you guys exposed me to a lot of amazing shit that I definitely would have never seen in Colorado. And uh, not to give you too much credit, but I don't think the solution would be the same as it was. Uh, really, anything that I do, if I had had a lot of those memories and kind of had my horizons expanded, like part of what I think made me so successful was not just thinking of things in bigger terms and locally, but like getting to have some of those experiences. And like, man, like. I've got to meet a lot of legends and see a lot of amazing things happen that just wouldn't have otherwise happened. So, and meet a lot of great people, great friends that I met through you guys. You got to so. drive a tiny car around Austin. Tiny car for the win. Got to a tiny car for the win. And the the secret to South by Southwest car rentals is to get the smallest one possible. Yep, for parking. And you heard it here first, guys. Low key just made me part owner of the solution. I'd like <laughs> to thank you for. <laughs> yes. All right, let's, let's, that's why you're out here right now is because you're part owner. Signing day, man. I'm sorry, Vaughn. I had to come out here and sign this paperwork. You yep, know what I'm saying? But we're going to get you out here soon, Vaughn. Let's on your morgue. And I, they're building my apartment across the street, so you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm relocating there officially. Pow. You heard Boom. it here first. <laughs> I think that's a good way to end it. There we go. Boom. Yeah. All right, so that's it. I need to put on the Drake <laughs> song again. I was gonna <laughs> sing it, but my mind is so fried from I, rambling. I wonder. I wonder how many. Um. I wonder how many. What's the name of the song? I wonder how many. <laughs> no man, I ain't gonna do. I wonder how many feel feel no ways this this podcast was. It's probably like twenty seven. Twenty seven feel no way. I would say like sixty feel no ways. Nah, I bet. I bet this. I bet we've already listened to it more times than what it takes to add up to this podcast. <laughs> we definitely did. <laughs> All right, I got to do the drops. And I'm ready to hear it again. <laughs> it's been too long. Let's play it right now for the listeners. <laughs> no, I'm not playing Drake. We can sing it. I'm no, not no, playing no, I'm Drake. joking. <laughs> Shout out to Drake, though. You're going to get that shit taken down from uh, SoundCloud. Tried, your... Make sure you listen to that Drake Tiny Morgan shit, the classic. <laughs> uh, what is it, right to left? It's called... Damn, just say whoa. So many rappers are playing, and I'm like, joke. So many rappers are saying that they got flow. Oh no, pox go foe, you don't grow. Yeah, I'm on one. Turn down the turn up. Turns out I'm too much turned out of tour bus. Plus the lunch for punk to jump up, get slumped, lumped up the way the bass thump. Yep, yep, somebody put a flyer on my Lambo. My supermodel wife's always commando. But my awake life ain't half bad, yo. Lyrically go Rambo on Sambo. Who spit bars crazy? A true blue few who ain't nothing to play with. A deuce deuce proof 
for those who didn't make it. A new loose group, and I don't know where my brain went. They don't know how to break a lot. for this the shit we recorded in paris what up guts not many understand this so i got some explaining to do hold up let me like me probably not a human being might be a little blind maybe hard to hear it but with a pen when i describe what i'm feeling not many seeing me nah nope they can't replace the cape with a fresh pair of kicks still fly so that superpower fits the origin is when i was a kid i started these songs on Guts on the album called Eternal by the artist named Guts featuring Tanya Morgan Laron Thomas Lorraine Chia Lorion I don't know how to say his last name shout out shout out to my French connects what up Paris miss you guys man had a blast out there. Yeah. I'm just being me and getting better. Two things I'm doing without much effort. Say what? Yeah. If graded, you get an F for originality. Worst attempt ever. Words and wit clever. Birds up a feather. Rockin' Robin's flockin'. We got a lot in common. Harder than the hardest heart as hard can get. Clean your ears out. Cause you ain't heard shit yet. Done. Well. One word, no space. Uh-huh. Familiar face and unfamiliar places. Yeah. But is when you pay rent pitch a tip for a pitch fit get a grip get a grip bug it out bug it out, out. sipping syrup get the scissors cut it out ouch y'all bite 
and I felt that. Hit dog, copycat, uh, where yourself at? Man, this shit was killing the crowds in Paris, Europe, and surrounding cities. God, I had a good time out there. Hope to get back soon. Um, but yeah, a lot. I'm not playing anything off of you. Get what you pay for. I was going to play one song called Trunk Shit, but I don't have the version with the instrumental at the end. I have the version with a, a um, I just have a, I have the wrong version of the song, so I'm not going to play it because I don't want you guys to, I don't want to misrepresent the project and I don't want to leak it early, even though I want you guys to hear it really badly. I mean, we have an abundance and wealth of music, as you can see. I forgot to even mention the, um, this album, Eternal, with Guts, available now on iTunes, CD. Uh, I don't know how you would find it. It's an import, I guess. But it's just out there. It's a lot of good music, man. It's a whole lot of good music. Uh, hopefully, you guys check it out. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed the show. And hopefully, I'll do another one. Will I? Maybe I will. Peace.